All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking balls, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCP in studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Miss Gat on the ones and twos. As always, we are so glad to have you guys here for all of our live streamers, YouTubers, and podcasters. Thank you for letting us play a small part, a small portion in your world in these trying times. We try to make these things a little bit lighter for everybody because we know that things are always challenging in our world, but... In the world of sports, levity is very key and very important, and we are glad to be here for our 88th episode. Things have been flying by, man, and first and foremost, I want to I want to get a, get some quick thoughts. How's everybody doing tonight, Trev? Let's start with you. Doing doing deliciously. Deliciously. Oh, yeah. that's a that's a new one. Ed, how are we doing tonight, Mr. Yo Yo Yo? I mean, people miss people are missing you. Been you've been dipping and dodging everybody, you know. I'm here. It's been great. Not delicious. I don't know about delicious. <laughs> yeah, only I can be delicious. I was going to say, is, that, is it low-fat delicious? Or are we yes. talking like gluten-free? It's keto-delicious. Yep. Yeah. Keto and uh, Miss Gat, how are we doing tonight? Are you doing pretty good? Everything's solid? I got the thumbs up. That's We're ready to go, guys. We're ready to have a show because we have... The, the reigning champ coming in just in just a minute. I cannot wait to get this guy. WHB 810 Sports Radio. Darren Smith from the ship's going to be joining us in just a second. I cannot wait to get his thoughts on all things Chiefs, all things NFL, because this guy has been dropping bombs. He's been out there outdoing Adam Schefter and the likes before any of them had getting their, ins- their, their Kansas City Chiefs news sources. He's been the ones dropping this stuff, and I just cannot wait for him to do a little bit of a victory lap on the Spoken Podcast airwaves and video waves. But before we do that, I need to start with something real quick. So we have a little bit of an issue amongst Chiefs fans that I want to address first and foremost, and I almost feel as if I'm repeating myself in a sense when it comes to the defense I make and will continue to make for a couple young stars on this Chiefs roster. A couple weeks ago, I came on here and attacked, or rather, tore down this negative narrative forming around rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and how he struggled this season somehow. And what do you know? Clyde is already a premier running back in this league, despite the glaring inconsistencies from his offensive line, not to mention the lack of a true offseason to work himself into this offense. But all of that aside... People now know, good and well, that Clyde is for real. He no longer needs me to defend him. For some reason, though, the same can't be said about another young stud on this team, and that's McCole Hardman. The 56th pick in the 2019 draft has already racked up a good number of highlights and exciting plays from both the receiving and special teams end. You can make the legitimate case that home run Hardman was what and whom inspired the comeback against the Texans in the divisional round with his long kickoff return that gave the team and fan base juice they were clearly missing beforehand. 
McCool has had massively pivotal touchdowns in big games like the Patriots and Raven games of last season. And as a rookie in the in, in the in the short amount of usage in his sophomore season, McCool has made big plays this season. Yet I continue to see slander and hear slander head in his direction. I'm not the type to tell fans to hold back from criticizing a player. I just caution fans to understand why they're criticizing, who they're criticizing, and if they are deserving of it. McCall Hardman is not deserving of it, and we all know that deep down. This criticism goes much deeper than the games because if you pay attention, you will notice that, not, and, and that in only 23 career games, McCall Hardman already has 10 receiving touchdowns. Anyone know the name Marvin Harrison by chance? One of the five to ten greatest receivers, right? Currently owns a record with Peyton Manning for the most tandem touchdowns between a quarterback and a receiver in NFL history. Guess how many touchdowns Harrison had in his first 23 games? That's right. Ten. Just like my guy, home run Hardman. Now, does that mean that McColl will become a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer wide receiver like Marvin Harrison? Absolutely not. But just as I pointed out how ridiculous it once was to criticize Clyde for his start when in his first five games were better than Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, and Frank Gore, it's equally as ridiculous to criticize a 22-year-old receiver, especially when he's produced. But as I said, this clearly goes deeper because of two reasons, and they're both ridiculous in their own way. For one, fantasy football triggers far too many of you. And look, I get that anger. That anger is why I stopped playing fantasy football altogether. It's an addiction, and it can make you love and hate a player regardless of who they play for. To categorize Hardman's talent and importance based upon his PPR numbers is laughable. And if you follow my guy on Twitter, he echoes my sentiments. But the biggest reason it goes deeper is the emergence of DK Metcalf. A receiver that the Chiefs could have and probably should have taken instead of McColl. But allow me to make something abundantly clear here. DK is much better than McColl to this point, but do I believe the Chiefs regret that decision? Do I wish they made a different choice? No. No, I don't. Because we have to remember the context of why the Chiefs took McColl at that time over DK. I remember we were recording our show as the 2019 draft was going. We had Casey Hemp Company owner Kyle Steppi on with us, and I knew that the Chiefs were going to go receiver. We talked about it through the whole show before it happened. And it wasn't because of it being a need, but rather a contingency plan because of what could or may not be coming when it came to Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs saw McCole Hardman as the better fit to give the Chiefs that versatile downfield threat and breakaway speed that they could have lost in Tyreek and would be gaining with McCole. Revisionist history would suggest that the Chiefs missed on the pick, but I can't help but acknowledge how different these decisions was viewed back then. Well, we all know how that went. Tyreek was innocent, and it, he didn't go anywhere. So where did that leave McCole? I don't question whether DK would have worked in this offense or not, because he would have. 
But we cannot sit here and pretend as if being the premier target in Seattle hasn't significantly benefited DK's shine in production, and we can't sit here and pretend as if the list of names in front of Hardman and KC when it comes to receiving options hasn't slowed his production just as much. We have to remember how young McCole Hardman still is, and even so, he's catching a touchdown on 18% of his catches. Jerry Rice... Probably the greatest receiver ever with 197 career touchdowns, caught touchdowns on 12% of his receptions. I believe that the Chiefs have something special in McCole Hardman. I do believe he has top-tier talent and ability. He's simply working his way into the most talented offense we have ever seen. And I'm asking my fellow Chiefs fans to allow him to grow before we chop him down. And I'm going to leave that right there because I have made my guy, Darren Smith, wait way too damn long. He's been nothing but kind to us, as usual. But he's got some knowledge to drop, and I cannot wait to get his thoughts on all things Chiefs. Guys, we're almost halfway through the season. This thing has flown by. So before we get too far deep into the season, I need my dude Darren Smith to come in here and rejuvenate, get us some thoughts, get us some opinions on some things, all things Chiefs, all things NFL. Guys, I hope you're ready for this. It's going to be a fun segment. We'll get back to that after this quick break. Again, on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two, I am your host Lance Twidwell here inside the KCP and studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell. What's good, Eddie Ortiz, Miss Gat on the ones and twos. Guys, we are so excited! I feel like we have this guy on at least once every quarter. I mean, it's got to be at least once a quarter. We got to keep the streak alive. He is currently the tighter holder. I think this is what seventh, eighth time now our guy Darren Smith has been on. I'm 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 done t- I'm done taking the floor here, man. I, I get my Lance rants to start the show off. I need my guy to come on here and drop some knowledge. Mr. Darren Smith from the ship on eight ten WHB Sports Radio. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, always a pleasure to be on the show. The only knowledge I'm gonna drop tonight is just to let you know. I appreciate the fact that LeBron won his fourth championship, but he's still not the GOAT. So you get past that, once we, you know, once we get, you know, go to the same page on that, we can we can have a civil dispute. See, you know, but other than, but besides that, but besides that, uh, all is well. And thank you once again for having me on. Well, we we appreciate you being here, man, and taking the time. We know your schedule's insanely inflated with everything you got going on. I know you're going to be at the Chiefs game this Sunday. I know you got all your radio work going on, man. I, I I appreciate the hustle. You you've been nothing but nails. Let's let's get right into it though, because I know sure. that the Lavian Bell story of sorts has been not old news, but everyone's kind of uh, embrace the fact that he's now a chief. It doesn't feel like he's this new toy yet, even though we haven't seen him that much in this <laughs> offense. But I want to get back to the origin of this because you were the first, and I will. I'm going to give you that absolute credit. I want you to take a little bit of a victory lap here, man. You were the first of all media to drop that story about Le'Veon Bell was going to be a chief, and this was two days, two I think two days before he actually made the actual signing with the Chiefs. Well, it, it was. It was the night before. It the was night before, okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it was on a Wednesday evening, and he signed that Thursday at late Thursday afternoon. But you know, well, let me take it back. Um, I don't know when his official signing was, but I know that's when Schefter announced that he was uh, <laughs> going to be a chief. Was around five thirty that that Thursday. Now, now, my question to you is because I, 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 I obviously I don't want you to you know have to give up any any type of uh, secrets or anything like that. But but being somebody in the media. 
and, and having this type of situation where you're out here hustling like you are, and you're out here making things happen, you're out here getting your name out here, you're out here making a name for yourself, and you get news like this, and then you see the story not be broken with your name attached to it, how, how does that make you feel as somebody that works as hard as you do in sports media? Be honest with us. Honestly, you kind of get used to it uh, as a <clears throat> as a I was well in Kansas. Let me just say in Kansas City because I don't know how it is in other other locales. I'm pretty sure you know because some people will say, "Well, it happens to me, and I'm white." But here in Kansas City, um, you know, it, it's still it's still racial amongst media. You know, if you if you're not in a certain clique or something, you know, they don't they don't want to give you credit, which is fine because I just do what they do. I just don't <laughs> give them credit. So yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I play the same. I, I play the same game that they do. Um, basically, you know, with my colleagues at the national level, I know Rob Parker and Chris Broussard, they credited me on their on their uh, show, on their Fox Sports Radio show, uh, on the Odd Couple uh, that night after, you know, that same night that it took place, uh, they credited me. And, then, you know, you and, and others did so here locally. So, you know, I, I do appreciate that. You know, it is what it is. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't do it to try to be quote unquote first. You know, my my thing is, I don't always try to be first. I try to be right, and I'd rather be right than you know than just be you know because I'm not someone who just who just puts something out just to see if it if it sticks, if it holds, or whatever. Um, and so because of that, like I said, you know, and to take it to the timeline, I was at, I was at the casino. I was. Throwing the dice on a crap table, you know, that's just that's what I like to do uh, from time to time. You know, I'll take money down to the casino and, and gamble. And I just happened, I, I had a couple of phone calls, and it, it wasn't my role, so I stepped away from the table to take the calls because I knew where they were coming from. And I'm just like, hey, what's going on? And, you know, the first call said, hey, didn't know if you knew this, didn't know if you wanted to know, but we expect Le'Veon Bell, you know, in – uh, to do a physical, and if he passes it, we're going to sign him. Okay, cool. That was one source. I'll go back to the crap table, try to place my bets, do whatever. About five minutes later, I get another call from someone else in the organization. I said, okay, you know, where smoke, there's fire, there's one, there's two sources. Okay, let me put something out. So I put it out, and then about ten minutes later, station lawyer calls me. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, <laughs> Really do, and so he's like, "Hey man, um, you know, I'm like, first of all, I didn't post nothing on a ten. I posted on my own personal page, so you know, whatever. And you know, but I guess you know, you're looking at my Twitter handle it has WHB and blah 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 blah. And I guess I'm like, I mean, y'all had no problem when we post anything else, you know, saying that <laughs> you know that brings viewers or traffic or whatever. So. You know, they're like, well, is he coming in tonight? Look, that's what my source says. If he coming tonight or coming tomorrow, I don't care. The Chiefs are going to sign him. That's all I know. That's all I've been told. They're going to sign him. Whether it's tonight, it's tomorrow, semantics. If you need me to change this, you know, a little wording, because you don't want to say tonight, okay, fine. I'll say he's scheduled to come in, but they're going to sign him. And so I think maybe like 15 minutes later after I posted, Bob Fesco from 610 had posted something on his page about Le'Veon and four or five teams being interested. Okay, cool. Don't bother me. I'm like, well, should somebody else is saying this, so at least I'm not out there, quote-unquote, by myself or whatever. And so then, but then I saw where he was getting a whole bunch of traffic, and then everybody's like, well, Darren Smith has said something first about it. They're like, who's Darren Smith? He said, oh, an 18 guy. 
So start, people started going back and forth about that. They were like, well, you can't get us, you know, they were like, well, you can't retweet his stuff. Because at the time I had a lock, and the reason why I had a lock was, you know, I may have said something or whatever. Somebody tried to say something to the station lawyer. Oh, this guy's talking to this. I'm like, well, personal pay, you know. Right. <laughs> somebody to F off if I, if I choose to. So I said, well, instead of me just doing that, so I just locked the stuff or whatever. But I ended up unlocking it so people want to retweet or whatever they could. I didn't care. Um, and then, of course, somebody said someone, well, uh, his colleague is trying to discredit, you know, whatever, you know, his report. I kind of find out, I guess it was Seren Petro who posted something about his source. I'm like, well, he had one source. I had two. I don't care. Um, and Yeah, your math checks out. Was, you know, <laughs> that they're not, you know, Le'Veon's not doing tonight or he's not coming tonight. And there's four or five other, you know, four or five other teams interested. I'm like, so basically you just copy and paste what Fesco said from another station to try to script. It is what it is. I said, I stand by what I, what I posted. And I said, shit, I don't care if he comes tonight, if he comes tomorrow. If he signs with the Chiefs, he signs with the Chiefs. If he don't sign, he didn't want to win a championship. He wanted to go somewhere and make more money. I ain't going to fault him. I'm like, shit, I've been wrong before. Chef has been wrong before. It is what it is. And so, but then the next day, around 1.30 or so, Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network was on, was, on the, was on the network with two other folk, I think, when he was being interviewed. And he said he had two sources call him that day, that Thursday now. Mind you, I posted Wednesday night. He said that that Thursday, his two sources said that the Chiefs were trying to sign Le'Veon Bell that Wednesday night. They were trying to sign him Wednesday night, but then Miami and you know the talk of Miami and Buffalo coming in late, late in the ball game, stopped them from being able to sign it that night. And then it ended up being it wasn't until Schefter and Schefter didn't even say he was signing. He just said the Kansas City Chiefs are intending to sign. So I'm like. Oh, black man say he's going to sign. Oh, we got his credit. White man say uh, he intends to sign. Oh, we take it as a gospel. So, you know, it is what it is. People no. make it a racist who want to, but facts are just facts. Facts are facts. I cannot agree any more than I do right now, man. Uh, now, now that now that Le'Veon Bell has not only signed with the Chiefs, but has played with the Chiefs, uh, yeah. we saw we saw him in that absolute Bronco beatdown. Uh, last Sunday, I, I want to get your takeaway on not just what you saw from Le'Veon Bell because I think it's without question now we know the guy's still got the juice. Well, uh, I always, well, well, I always said I, I said the Le'Veon that comes in is going to be the Le'Veon from Pittsburgh, not New York Jets. It was everybody else who was thinking, nope. oh, oh, we don't know what he's going to do. the reason. I'm like, dude, if you're in, the, if you play for New York Jets, you're going to look like right. you play for the New York Jets. <laughs> you come to Kansas City, you're going to look like right. you still play for Adam account and, and the point I had made, because I'm actually 100% with you, I just stated on the opening monologue from last week's show that I believe that you're going to get Le'Veon Bell of, you know, closer to the 2014-2016 Le'Veon Bell because of the right. fact, not just because he's still young per se, but because of the fact that he's surrounded by so much talent like he once was in Pittsburgh, which makes his job that much easier. The expectations aren't all on him to carry the offense. And so now that well, we've the most important part right there where it's, it's not like him and Antonio Brown it's, it's, he's a, he is a cog in the wheel amongst amongst others with, with all the talent that's Absolutely. around him so it's not dependent on, on him to you know to rush for 125-30 yards a game it, that's not needed he can do it and the Chiefs can have him do it if they need him to do it but because that's not necessary because of all the talent that he's surrounded by you know there's 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 not that but there's not pressure on him to perform like it was when he was in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Now, or even now New York. And and we saw we saw the way he played in the game, although not many not many plays, but he looked good. 
the Chiefs look good as, as, a, as a team. Offense obviously did not have as many possessions as they would normally like to have or normally do have. You're talking about probably every bit of 20 to 40 plays they did not get in this game. Nevertheless, they win by 27, uh, scoring on all three facets. I mean, this is a, this is a damn good uh, performance by the Chiefs. Uh, I, I know the Broncos are, are a team that's that's really struggling right now with with injuries, their their identity. We don't know what this team's going to be with Drew Locke. Is he the answer? Is he not? Nevertheless, Darren, what was your ultimate takeaway from this game, and how do you think it changes or keeps things uh, for the remainder of this season for this Chiefs team and the running back tour? Well, let me ask you: in, in which direction? I mean, is, is it regarding what the addition of Le'Veon, or just what we saw in Sunday's game? Sure. Yeah. As far as the team, now that we know, because you can't help but think that. The addition of Le'Veon Bell lifted this team up. Not that this team couldn't have done that without Le'Veon Bell. I still think they would have whooped the Broncos. But you you could tell this team feels really good about themselves. You could tell Le'Veon Bell feels really good about his situation. He really loves being here in Kansas City. I mean, how uplifting and how, how good do you think this team feels right now moving into the softest part of their schedule? They have one of the easiest schedules for the rest of the season. You have to imagine this team is feeling like they can take on the world right now, and they probably will. Uh, well, if it, well, going back to your original question, I think they look good coming out of coming out. Of, well, one, seeing what they did in Denver still pisses me off because they should be undefeated right now. But that's neither here nor there with their loss to uh, to Oakland. Uh, but the fact in the manner in which they won because they, they they score from every facet of the ball game, kickoff return, uh, interception return in the air on the ground, uh, they they look very good. They look. I mean, they look like a Super Bowl team. Uh, you know, the defense played much better. Obviously, uh, you know, I think they had a couple of interceptions, a, a forced fumble uh, in the uh, in the ball game. I like the way they look. I mean, obviously, this is going to be a real soft schedule with uh, with the Jets coming in Sunday, and then of course the Carolina Panthers. Now, Carolina, I, you know, they're a decent team. They're definitely not the New York Jets. Uh, I mean, you know, so the Chiefs can lose to you know, but they can lose to any team. Um, you know, so that being the case, yeah, I like Kansas City's chances. And, and with the addition of Le'Veon, what it does is, is it, it it really makes everybody else step their game up, especially Clyde. You know, Clyde looked good last week. You know, I mean, he he finally punched the ball into the end zone. Um, you know, the first time since week one. So you know, so he, I think his I think Le'Veon's addition to the team, you know, put a little fire underneath him, and. As I as I mentioned with Eric Bieniemy the last couple of weeks about the backups, if you're Darwin Thompson or Daryl Williams, you better be stepping your game up, especially in practice, especially if you expect to or hope to see the field uh, again. Because neither one of them got touches last week in, in, in the Broncos game with the addition of Le'Veon, and you know that Le'Veon's going to get more. He, he was scheduled to get more touches, but that second quarter, because I had played out with you know with the turnovers and stuff like that. That they didn't they didn't get a chance to run as many plays for Le'Veon that they had intended. Now, I've been told that they have that that, that they've installed packages this week specifically for Le'Veon uh, uh, for Le'Veon to perform against the Jets. So I mean, expect to expect Le'Veon to get a heavy dose of the offense. Whether or not he starts, I, I you know I mean I don't, I don't think it's relevant at the moment, but uh, he will be the feature back 
on Sunday. Well, I love I love that because of the fact that I made a little bit of a ballsy prediction on Twitter last <laughs> week. I said that I think Le'Veon Bell is going to throw a touchdown in this game. So I think Andy Reid just wants to give him an opportunity to do something funky. You know, he loves to mix it up every once in a while with the with the revenge tour, if you will. I think you might see something a little bit borderline disrespectful, which I rush love. Long, I love that part of Andy Reid. Yeah, he gets that yeah. he gets that petty that petty bone going. You know, I love when he gets that thing going, man. It's usually on the you national know, stage, but he's going to throw it to Pat. You know, well, here's the thing. I, I will give you just a little pushback because I'm with you, <laughs> but the way but the but the way Andy was talking, one I thought Andy tried to be a stand up comedian talking about you know we're facing a good team and they're well coached. <laughs> like, yeah. Chris, hey, Chris Jones good? did it too. Chris Jones did it too. Yeah, you know that's coach good. speak. You know yeah, that's I'm coach like, speak. That's a disrespectful like, compliment. Man, they're, not, they're not well coached. <laughs> they they could have played Devry no University and be saying that shit, man. You know how this goes. You yeah. know how this goes. They got they got to pump know, up their, their opponent, man. They don't want to feel yeah, disrespected. You know, the problem is the problem is you know you you can't call Andy on, on that bullshit. Like, come on, coach. I mean, you know, we know they're not good, but yeah, it, it is. But um, but I said that to say that you know when you you know when you look at it, they, I mean this is this could be an ugly game. But I also know Andy Reid is not one who will keep his foot on the gas pedal. That's the that's actually the problem that I have with with with, with the Chiefs and, and Andy Reid still. As their coaches, like they could be undefeated because if you with all that with all that talent, they you know they let you know, one they start too late in the ball game to you know to start putting points on the board yeah. and and it's like dude why do you wait to the second quarter or middle of the second quarter where you I mean you should be there's no reason why every drive doesn't end with the score seriously I mean because. Even on defense, there's not enough. There's not enough players. Like even if you rush three, you're trying to drop eight. Well, hell, get a ball to the running back and with all that open space, mm-hmm. or you can throw it to Travis underneath. If they come at you, then you got the players that you know you can that they can beat them one on one. You can throw the ball down the field. I it it just baffles me sometimes as to why this team seems to struggle offensively when they really have no reason to. Well, I know that we do, the Chiefs will not have uh, starting right tackle Mitchell Schwartz and wide receiver Sammy Watkins for this game, which I'm actually happy as hell about because they're not, not only do they not need them, but in my opinion, and I've been saying this for over a week now, I want Mitchell Schwartz in particular to, to take off the remainder of the schedule until the bye week. I don't want him to play against the Panthers. I want him to rest as much as possible because it's a back injury. He is the most valuable offensive lineman they have. Yeah. He needs to be healthy and ready for the down stretch against the Raiders. You got to play the you got to play the Chargers later in the season, the Buccaneers, Saints, teams like the that. Pass you know, with the one seed still very very much in the, in the favor of the Chiefs because the Ravens and Steelers have to play each other twice. You already have the tiebreaker against the Ravens. The Chiefs are really playing with with house money at this time. At the same time, you don't want to, you know, take it uh, uh, take that for granted. So I want Mitchell Schwartz to be as, ha- as healthy as possible. Same with Sammy Watkins because we all know his real value shines in the playoffs. That's when he is who he is for this team, and that's why they keep him around because that's when he's at his most valuable. My, my question to you, though, is with games like the Jets, which we know the Chiefs are going to win this game, and with the Panthers game where the Chiefs should win that game, um, I, for me, I would like to see the Chiefs uh, get some things right for the offense. I would like to see them, like you talk about, not, not taking your foot off the gas. I mean, it's okay to touch the brake every once in a while, but but I, I hate this fear of putting stuff on film 
Because when it comes to this Chiefs team, when it comes to this Chiefs team, no one's beating this team when it comes to them putting out their best effort. When they put their best effort out there, there is nobody beating this team. So this fear of putting stuff on film to me is just is bullshit for a team like the Chiefs who have already won a Super Bowl. So in your opinion, for these next two games before the bye week and then going into Las Vegas in three weeks, or four weeks rather, is this the way you think the Chiefs should approach these next two games, knowing that they should be heavily favored uh, the, within the W column? Should they try to use these games as get-right games? Yes. I mean, I, I mean, everything you said, I, I agree with. I mean, I, I agree with uh, Reston, Mitchell, Schwartz, Sammy. You know, I'm, I've been trying to play Brett Reese this week. You know, if they, you know, somebody texts me or somebody asked me today that I think that they would go after Stephon Gilmore. Uh, on corner, I'm like, man, if it's me, the way the way that I've been seeing Brett and, and Andy operate, then I'm going, I'm getting Julio Jones, and I'm mm. getting him from the Falcons. That's just me, <laughs> you know. I, you know, sign me up. <laughs> because to be quite honest, Sam Sammy gets too injured for me to, you know, for, for my liking. I know, you, I know, you mentioned about coming back for the playoffs, but hell, I mean, you know. One, you know, one twitch of the of the leg or a hit to the head, and he's going to be out again. I, you know, I'd rather I'd rather get someone like Julio, big, strong, fast, wants to win. Put it. You know, I mean, now you got two true number one wide receivers with him, and uh, and Tariq, and then of course you know you can mix in McCole and and uh, and and Demarcus, but then you got but then you hitting them with a Travis and Le'Veon. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. That, yeah. That's a nightmare on Elm Street right there. But but to that question, though, Darren, uh, and, and and maybe that is the, the response you're going to give me. I believe fully that the Chiefs are going to get something going in the trade before the trade deadline hits. I personally believe it's going to be in the offensive and defensive line where they're going to need some help to add to that and add to the depth. But but in your opinion, is the Julio Jones scenario or a play of, player of that magnitude, even Michael Thomas is being talked about being trying to get traded for, do you see the Chiefs trying to go and hit get another home run hitter like that? Or do you see them going with more of a meat and a potatoes approach and just try to get the interior fixed? Well, people say, what can they do with the cap? Look, first of all, I don't doubt it. Whatever Brett Veach does, I'm just going to take it as gospel. If he gets alignment, so be it. I'm just saying what I would do. I would, I would get uh, Julio Jones. I would normally I would probably agree with you on Michael Thomas, but he, he's been a little bit too injury prone this season. I I don't know how many games if he if he's played really at all this season, and that bothers me. And I don't know. I don't think it's a contract issue. I just think, you know, I just think the situation in, in New Orleans. I don't know exactly what it is and why why he's having problems. You know, he was supposed to come back I think two weeks ago and got into an altercation with his teammate and then tweaked his hamstring and they thought he was going to be back this week, but now they're pushing it, hoping he comes back next week. I don't know. I mean, now to be honest, as much as I don't like can't get right, I would have made a play for Antonio Brown, yeah. but. <laughs> That's just me, and, and and if it's not going to be Antonio Brown, then I'll get you know, then I'll I'll go for Julio. And, and I said in that alignment because I think I think you can get them for cheaper. I think you get this because one, if they get cut, then you know, I mean the 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 team the team that you that they get cut from still has to pay them their salary, so you can kind of offset some stuff, kind of like you did with Le'Veon, and and you get them cheaper versus having to give up any draft picks. The only one I would I would risk draft picks on would be Julio. Sure. Well, yeah, and the city of Atlanta would burn to the ground if they ever cut Julio Jones. So expect <laughs> so the trade for sure. Yeah, expect... <laughs> but let me, let me ask you a question. This is something that everyone's talking about but not talking about at the same time. 
what the hell is going on with Harrison Butker? I mean, ever since that Chargers game, when he's out there dropping him like Steph Curry style from way deep, he it, I think it got in his head. I, that's just my theory, Darren. I think Harrison Butker was reading the 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 the, the paper or the uh, the stuff online, you know, getting getting you know in his own in his own self, getting full of himself, and and now he's sitting here missing PATs, the lowest rated PAT kicker in the NFL. What the hell is going on, Darren? Uh, well, you said everything that I would have said because that's what I thought. Like, you know, dude gets you know, dude gets credit for what he did, what he did in uh, uh, against the Chargers, and then hell, I mean, the man, the man kicks three fifty-plus yard field goals, but you can't make extra point. Like, what the hell, you know? And what's crazy is I think after he missed the second or third one of the season. Dave Tobe talks, you know, came and talked to the to the press. Like, oh, you know, he, you know, we looked at the film, worked out a quirk. He should be good next week. Then he missed another extra point, and then, and then Dave Tobe doesn't address the media. Like, <laughs> then he misses another one. Then he comes through, and I'm the one who asked him. I said, "Can we get here some bunker this week?" Man, I'm like, yeah. and so they they gave us uh, Coach Tariq and and Harrison today. I mean, he. he even his answers were just like standard answers you would expect him to say. I really don't know. I mean, he, you know, he claims it was, you know, the line of the ball and just how, you know, if he, I don't know, man. I mean, he's, you know, my, you know, and my biggest concern is, yeah, it, it might not have an effect now because it hasn't cost the cheese, but I don't care. Get that, get it rectified so it don't become an issue or don't become a habit as you get you know as you get closer to the playoffs or and the games get closer and closer and tighter and tighter because yeah you know you miss an extra point takes a, a 7-3 lead or 7-0 lead down to 6-0 well if the Chiefs don't score again the team only needs two field goals or just a touch I mean you know little stuff like that comes into play when well, now you got to worry about the two point conversion and, and field possession stuff like that it's like well you want me to trust you on a 50-plus yard field goal, but I can't trust you to kick an extra point. Again, I, you know. It's I frustrating. I, I, I don't have an answer for it. Yeah, it is frustrating because you sit there, you be like, dude, what the F? You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I, you know. And trust me, I, I used to kick when I was in high school. I, I loved kicking. I, mean, I used to love trying to kick a field goal. I, you know, um, one of my favorite movies growing up was Unnecessary Roughness with Sinbad and, and, and Scott, Scott Bakula. You know, I mean, you know, the, the girl, the soccer girl yeah. kicking. I used to like that, like that stuff, man. Trying to kick a that's a throwback. That's a throwback yeah. right there, man. Yeah, I can't. Man, I used to kick. I kicked fifty yard field goals when I was in high school, man. I, mean, nice. I love that stuff. People, you know. We might have to, we might have to get that on film, you know. We might have to have a little field goal contest with our guy Darren Smith, so we, if he can break it back out, you know, and see if he can still <laughs> well, knock him back to fifty. Well, the problem is, the problem is, I, I could probably do it, but there then you, you know, I'll probably pull a hamstring. <laughs> you know, can't have that. Then, you know, and then you can rehab with Sammy Watkins. It's perfect, you know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, let me let me get a couple more questions in here real quick, and we're going to let you go, man, because I, I I know, like I said, you got a lot going on. We do appreciate you being here with us on a Friday night, but uh. I start to show off with 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 a strong defense for McCole Hardman, and I get it. He hasn't played at an All Pro level to this point, whereas DK Metcalf in Seattle is playing at an All Pro level, one of the five to ten best wide receivers in the league already. I think it's a lot about situation, though. I think it's a lot about the, the what what they got going on, where DK is the premier target for Seattle and Russell Wilson. He's getting all the targets out there as far as you know, number one wide receiver, no questions asked. He's the guy. Whereas McCole Hardman. 
is one of the guys. This offense is so talented in Kansas City that he's basically got to just, they got to pick and choose when to utilize McCole Harbin. Has he been perfect? No. But his hands are reliable. He's insanely fast. He's incredible downfield. For me, he is perfect for this team. And I think at 22 years old, to be able to already put up 10 touchdowns in his early career is something that should not be downplayed or discredited. And I think he deserves a little bit more praise than what he's gotten. What are your thoughts on McCole Hardman through 23 games of his career? Well, I don't know if this is a shot of what I posted the other night about Brent Veach maybe having second thoughts sure. about, you know, after seeing DK Metcalf, but. I... <sighs> I mean, they go after McCall because of the situation at the time with Tariq. So I understand that you're looking at getting a player of similar built, uh, maybe just a tad bit slower uh, than you know than Cheetah. That you know, and you know, you try to get somebody with the same build who can return kicks as well as perhaps you know be the next wideout. Um, which is fine, but because you already had other players that could return the ball, I probably would have gone after a DK Metcalf. One, because, what, the kid's like 6'3", 235. Two, two, I mean, I, I, and if I remember correctly, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, I think, when he was doing the combine, the 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 complaint about him was that he had damn near close to zero percent body fat or something, where they were like, "Well, how's this dude this cut up and zero percent body? Like that's unhealthy." And I'm like, <laughs> "I don't know, but if he can run a four three looking like that, that might right. be somebody that we look at. You know, that we look at, um, you know, put through the opposite of Tariq or make him, you know, make him that guy. I mean, I, I mean, it, it's it's tough, you know, when, when you do the hindsight being 2020. He he has played the role, or he has fit the role that the Chiefs have wanted him to play. Now, I think what we in Kansas City are are, are disappointed about is that he may not have taken the next step like a Tariq. See, Tariq wanted to be a number one wide receiver, so he trained, he did, you know, he he learned the tree route, he did he did whatever it took to you know make that next step to to go from a return person to a legit number one threat. Well, we haven't seen that same, that same with McCole. And to be honest, I mean, it's a matter of, it's a matter of want to, I mean, you have to want to do it. Do you want to be a number one, uh, uh, a number one wide receiver? I mean, and if so, what are you doing to do that? You know what I mean? Are you, are you working with the other wide Are you working with Tyreek? I mean, are you learning the route tree? Are you, I mean, what are you doing, you know, when, when you're not on, uh, Twitter and some girls DM. You know, I mean, what what are you doing? Yeah, that's and those are all fair questions. Those are absolutely all fair questions. Um, I, for me, I just I I would love it if because I I see it on Twitter. Uh, people are already um, assuming that this is the best that McCole Hartman's going to be, and I just think that's unfair for his age and not even playing thirty the, games yet. I don't know if it's the best, but the problem is is that you have to realize that you have you have. Players that are on one-year deals of Samuel, DeMarcus, that they have to get their touches because they may not be back here next year, but they also have to have, as you mentioned earlier, stuff on film for other teams to see. You know, if they could, if they could quote unquote be a number one on other teams, then they have to, they have to be allowed, uh, you know, the opportunities to showcase what they can do and not just, not just McCole. McCole needs to make the most of the, it, it, just like, just like what uh, Eric Bieniemy said, you have to make the most of the opportunity that you get when you get it. He gets his, like, Brian Pringle. 
We don't see him return kicks much, but when he returned that kick the other day, he made the most of it, didn't he? Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. We don't see, you know, I mean, McCoy has to do the same thing. Who is the biggest threat in the AFC for the Chiefs to get to another Super Bowl? I know. I'd say Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I technically have Pittsburgh losing Sunday against the Ravens, but that's more. That's just more wishful thinking because. You need well one they're undefeated, but if if Baltimore beats the Baltimore beats Pittsburgh, that drops Pittsburgh from number one down to at least number three. Chiefs move up to number one, and then the Ravens move to number two. Um, you know because of a head to head. You know they beat head to head Pittsburgh, and then the Chiefs beating uh, Baltimore head to head. That would vault, vault them up. So, uh, but Pittsburgh right now because they are playing well defensively. I mean their defense is is solid. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not, you know, I mean, I, nobody can shut Kansas City down, but you could give them trouble like the Chargers did. But the Chargers only gave them trouble because you didn't, I mean, because you couldn't account for the rookie because you only you only had five seconds before kickoff to know that he was going to be starting. So, you know, I, I give the Chiefs a pass on that particular game. Uh, but all that being said, I think Pittsburgh is the team that Pittsburgh and Baltimore are the two teams that could still knock off Kansas City. How much are the Chiefs winning by this week against the New York Jets? Well, because I got Andy pulling, you know, not keeping his foot on the gas pedal. I got, I think I got about 22. I think I got 35, 13. They covered a spread, which is, which is shocking to say the least. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out a way to make money on that game. I don't, I had to do prop bets because <laughs> I touched that game and I'm sorry. I'm not touching that game when it comes to money making at all. But, uh, and, and as we always do, this is our tradition with you, especially Darren Smith, our, I would say our, our most loyal uh, guest on our show. I don't even call you guest anymore. You're just you're basically just a, a part of this family. show at this point. Yeah, family, exactly, 100% family. Give us something that's going on right now when it comes to uh, your work, when it comes to society, how things are looking for you right now. Just give us some of your thoughts, man. I'm going to give you the platform once again, take over, do what you got to do, and then tell the people where to follow you on social media. Well, let me do the last part first. So they can follow me at Darren Smith WHB on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I'm on Monday through Friday uh, from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. on ESPN Kansas City with Darren and Sterling. Uh, I'm on Thursday nights following the postgame show on Sports Radio 810 WHB on Thursday nights following football games. And then, of course, uh, two hours before the Chiefs kickoff, uh, Steve Walls and myself, we do a Chiefs cheat sheet uh, pregame show to get people ready for the game. And then, then the day after the Chiefs play, we also do the Red Hour, uh, which is like a postgame deal the next day uh, with myself, DJQ, Steve Walls, and Sean Tyler. Um, but really, right now, only thing that truly matters to me right now is Tuesday. Uh, hopefully people, you know, if you haven't gone out and voted early, um, you know, stand in line, do whatever it takes. Uh, make sure that you cash your ballot and cash your vote on Tuesday. I've been pushing it every day this week. On the, well, I've been pushing for a minute. Uh, uh, you know, the importance of voting and getting people out there, registering people to vote, all that stuff. Uh, I'm, I plan on doing my show from Arrowhead Stadium Tuesday afternoon. 
uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it outside. If people want to come by and get on the radio, they can do that too. You know, they come by and say hi. You know, we'll talk sports, politics, whatever for that hour. Uh, at least, well, we'll talk about politics. I can before the owner shuts it down. Uh, but, uh, no, really, all I care about is getting to Tuesday and, and making sure that hopefully uh, the people do the right thing and we have a change of administration and, you know, I can go to bed, even if, well, I believe that we'll have a winner on Tuesday night. I don't believe it's, it's going to be, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I, one, I trust the judgment of the American people. Well, two, there's been over 85 million votes casted already. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. So, I think, I, think it, I think it was only 47 million early votes in 2016, and it's, it's, it's probably going to double that <clears throat> by the time Election Day comes. So, you know, but I don't take anything for granted. You know, we thought Hillary may have had it locked up, and we saw what happened. You know, if people still think the last four years, if people if people find what happened the last two and a half years, fine, so be it. I don't, you know, so I will make sure my voice is heard on Tuesday along with uh, millions of others along around the country. So that being said, look, man, again, I'm always, always amenable to coming on, and I'm always appreciative of uh you know, talking sports with you gentlemen and uh, you know, look forward to the next time I get a chance to come back on. That is our family. Our family, Darren Smith. Guys, please follow our guy, Darren Smith, WHB on Twitter. He's a hell of a follow, especially on Facebook. He's got he gets people so <laughs> triggered on Facebook. I love it, man. I'll just I'll just be sitting there eating my popcorn, my 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 uh, proverbial popcorn, watching all the comments <laughs> as my dude Darren just destroys folks on those freaking comment threads. I love it. Oh, man. Darren Darren is is one of the best dudes he is. I'm telling you guys, no one in the media out in this region, maybe in the nation, works harder than my guy Darren. That's why I love having him on because I know he's gonna bring the real. I know he's gonna give us Appreciate what he's got. And you will be back on soon. I promise you that, man. I cannot wait to have you back on. But in the meantime, you enjoy your Friday night. You enjoy your weekend. You enjoy this Chiefs W. And we will get back to you as soon as humanly possible, my brother. Thank you so much. All right, you gentlemen, take care. Thank you so much for having me. You have a great night, brother. That was our guy, Darren Smith, 810 WHB Sports Radio. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're getting to our guy, Eddie, from the Eddie Hour. And we will get back. <laughs> we'll get that. And I promise you we'll get to that in a yeah. second. You stay tuned. That's the teaser that Gat gave us. I got a plan with that one. Don't you worry, kiddos. We'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCP and studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Good, good, good. And the one and only Miss Gad on the ones and twos. Our guy Darren Smith just came on, man. That was that was a blast. That flew by. I think we good did show. like it was at least 30 minutes of a segment. Most of the time, we'll you know get somebody in here with a series of questions and get them out. All of our guests are great, but every time we have our guy Darren on, I just feel like we just kind of get lost in the conversation because he's always got these in-depth responses, and it just feels like we're just hanging out with a, with a friend, a family member actually, and it's just uh, it's great to always have Uncle him Darren, on. Uncle Darren, yeah, that's I think I, I we need we need to go add it up. We need to add it up. It's like what seven, eight times I think he's been on the show. Too many. We need to limit it a little bit. I think. <laughs> But we always appreciate it. Uh, seriously, guys, no one works harder in, in, in media, man, than Darren Smith. He is the he is the man. If you want to follow somebody to you know talk sports related stuff, KCPN is obviously your home. But when it comes to somebody that's out there on the on the market, man, when it comes to Kansas City media, he is the dude to actually absolutely follow. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it, it, we're not making this up. 
Darren is the first to drop the Le'Veon Bell story of all, all people. Not, yeah, not I, text, I text him. I told him. I was like, it's yeah. I break it, man. Let him, <laughs> not let him Rappaport, know. Tre- Trevor, know. Yeah, Trevor blocked uh, Shefty and Rappaport's yeah. numbers and went right to Darren. BV, yeah, BV yeah, was definitely, I know he was he was clamping at it for sure. Yeah, but I caught Hunt and was like, hey, you know, <laughs> call, him, call my guy Darren. You called CH? Yeah. Hey, CH, hold up, hold up. Talk my boy Darren. Hold on. Yo, see. Yo, Now Lev had texted. Lev had texted me. <laughs> see what happened. And was. I texted. What happened was. So we're gonna get to the Eddie Hour because this is our our, our most valuable. Um, uh, I would say personality on the show. He's got the biggest following on the show, uh, and so now he needs to take the platform because I feel like I feel like this is the the, the heart and soul, the backbone of our show. So I need to give. Uh, the the stage to our guy Eddie Ortiz because I know he's got something just working. I, I see the smirk on his face. He's gonna try to get us triggered. Us Twidwells. It doesn't take much. You guys heard it on the podcast last week. You yeah, didn't have to he, see us to know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had no right off the bat with the A B questions, yeah. and me and Trevor end up just taking the floor right back from you. I go and hand it so you take it. Right, I take it right back. Nevertheless, Eddie is the Eddie Hour. Let's go, man. What do you got? All right, man. First of all, I want to start with. Some major league baseball. Now, what does what does this ring mean to Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers? Uh, for Clayton Kershaw, you guys know I've never been somebody that has, and this goes across uh, all team sports. Indi- individual sports is different when it comes to winning rings and winning champion championships because it's all on you. So championships can be used in individual sports as a as a point of greatness. Uh, but in team sports, not so much, especially in baseball, because you look at guys like Mike Trout. Maybe the greatest position player we've ever seen. Doesn't have a ring. Maybe probably will never have a ring. Um, that hasn't even been to the World Series, by the way. Clayton Kershaw, though, for his legacy, this is something that it takes it to a whole nother level. In my personal opinion, and I'm a, I'm a baseball follower, in my personal opinion, Clayton Kershaw is the greatest pitcher of this generation. The reason why you can go down the board, he has the lowest ERA amongst all starters since like 2010, um, most strikeouts to walk ratio, uh, strikeouts per nine innings, whip, like all those things he's the best at. And now he's the only pitcher, or he's one of the four pitchers ever to win a World Series, win an MVP, win multiple Cy Youngs, like all, have an ERA below two. Like it's him, Pedro, Greg Maddox, and like one other great pitcher. I, for, I, I feel horrible not remembering. Here I am saying I'm the baseball guy. But the point is, if, I, if I'm naming those guys off, those guys are like the Tom Brady's, Peyton Manning's, and Drew Brees of, of the world of baseball. And his name's right next to all those guys. And he's pitching in the era where it's all about home runs. And, and every other batter can knock out 30 to 40 home runs, and he's out there striking these fools out and knocking these guys around. Clayton Kershaw, this this means so much for him. It means so much for the Dodgers because it's been 32 years since that franchise has won it. And you can credit other guys like Mookie Betts and Bueller and these other guys as to why they won it more than even Kershaw at this point of his career. But it, it cannot go ignored as to the greatness of Clayton Kershaw. This will forever cement his career as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And to me, in my personal opinion, the greatest pitcher that has pitched in the last, I'd say, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, what does it mean to him? It means everything. It's it's a, this is a, this was his career defining moment. Um, for the, the fact that he's been there and failed numerous times, and w- the narrative would have quickly changed. You know, or has been trending upwards toward him being a choke artist. He's had some really, really big blunders in the in the World Series in the playoffs, uh, and you know had some really bi- bad um, gaffes there. 
and his career in the postseason. Um, and this was just the ultimate redemption for him. Um, he's had success. He's, he's gotten there. He's been to the dance. He's you know, but he's failed numerous times. And this was this was the the moment. And that's why I knew when they got when they got Mookie Betts. That was the that was the cherry on top. Barring health, if he stayed healthy all year and was healthy through the postseason, I didn't see a team stopping them. Um, and Mookie was incredible throughout the postseason, incredible during the regular season. Uh, might be the best player in baseball at this moment. Um, so yeah, that means I couldn't be happier seeing the footage after the game. You know, when his manager was telling him, "I'm so proud, I'm so I'm so happy for you, man." Like everyone's just surrounding him, with, you know, with love and hugs because they know what the guys put into the sport. They know what he means to the sport and, and the art of pitching. I mean, the guy is incredible. Definitely, I agree with you, Lance, that he's definitely one of, if not the best guy in the last, you know, at least 20-plus years in, uh, at what he does um, with the resume he has. Uh, now he can call himself a champion. It means everything to him, and it was, like I said, it was a career-defining moment for him for sure. Has this cemented him into the Hall of Fame? Oh, no question. Without a doubt. Clayton Kershaw was a first ballot Hall of Famer before – Last season, let me just put it like that, because like I said, statistically and in baseball, especially of all sports, statistics mean everything. Yeah. Because like I said, it's so hard to win in baseball because teams usually will go thirty years without even making. Uh, especially in a big market, run. especially winning in a big market like that. Yeah, uh, with the expectations on him, he's been there his whole career. L.A. You know, you, when when you are one of them, look at Kobe Bryant. And I don't want to I don't want to put Clayton in, in Kobe's stature because I feel like Kobe's in his own. Uh, area when it comes to all LA fans, it's Kobe and everybody else, even with Magic Johnson included. Yeah. Um, to be able to have that pressure and expectation, and then to be one of their one of their own, to be there for I think this is what his eleventh year, twelfth year uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, to do this, especially in a year where the Lakers just won the world, the the, the NBA Finals, and then you win the the World Series, you do it as a, as a tandem in that city. Um, after a tragic loss of Kobe Bryant, I mean, this I think this only solidifies Clayton Kershaw even more so. But yes, to answer your question as honestly as I possibly can, Clayton Kershaw was already a Hall of Famer, but the, the cement was was dry. This one just absolutely reinvir- like reinvigorates the dryness of that cement, where it just overlaps it and says, "Okay, there is no questioning now. This guy is going to be uh, a first ballot without question." Because, like I said, he you can't ten, you can't name me ten pitchers in the history of baseball better than Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, the cement was already dry, and then they laid a new layer on top of it and stuck a fucking <laughs> flagpole in it and said "Hall of Famer." Uh, yeah, that, that was that was uh, it was. I mean, he's, to my, in my mind, he's he's in with baseball. The lure of baseball as it ages, when you're great like that in real time, it's it's amazing. But as baseball ages, well. Everyone, everyone looks back on baseball and they, they, they romanticize these players. And him being that guy in L.A. and the resume that he has leading up to that, that title win, his, his, his success is going to age well as far as with baseball fans, especially baseball fans in L.A. You know, they love to romanticize their heroes. And he's oh, he's getting a statue. He's definitely, yeah, he's definitely, as far as, Dodgers, as, far as Dodgers goes, he's going to be one of the greatest heroes for Dodgers fans for the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, now let's go into this game that we've been talking about. What was Kevin Cash thinking when he took out Snell out of the game after giving up his second hit of the game? This is this is where baseball is is failing because we sit here and praise Clayton Kershaw and the legends of the sport because baseball has so many legends in in, in their history. But this is where baseball is headed and it's and it's scary because this is becoming an overthinker's game. It's a strategy game in itself, naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, baseball is all about chess. You know, you that's where managers become so valuable is knowing how to utilize your pieces and Patience. when to utilize them. 
And, and from the naked eye, I understood where Kevin Cash was coming from. I knew that he wanted to get out ahead of it, and if in case Snell was going to give up that inevitable two-run bomb or something like that and take, give up the lead, I get the fear. But when your pitcher is rolling, and Snell was rolling, like the Dodgers have the best lineup in baseball outside of the Yankees, and, and they couldn't hit anything off of him. Both of those hits that he gave up were not squared-up hits. They were soft liners. Like, they, he, they, he was still serving them, and they said themselves, the Dodgers said to themselves, they were getting pissed because they couldn't get nothing I off of it him. Was, it was either Bellinger or uh, Seager that said it was Seager. Was, that he was being gross out of And that's, that, was the, that was World Series MVP saying that. Yeah. Mookie Betts was, in, was at the batter's box looking at uh, Dave, uh, Dave Roberts, smiling. He's like, dude, they got him out of the game. I'm so happy right now. Because they knew if you just got this guy out of the game, we have a shot. But if they had kept Snell in for another inning or two, we're, we're probably still talking about this World Series going on right now, or at least in Game 7 by this time. Yeah. So, Kevin Cash fucked up. There's no question about it. He absolutely screwed up. But the problem is, is that this kind of goes above his own pay grade because he was told by the analytics crew upstairs to make this move. He just had to sign off on it. He signed off on it. It didn't pay dividends. It ended up costing them the World Series. Having said that, I think the Dodgers were going to win the series anyway, eventually. It was just a matter of when, not if. So I'm not going to sit here and say Kevin Cash lost the Rays the World Series. I will say, though, that he definitely contributed to the Dodgers getting this done at a quicker pace than they probably should have. Yeah, it was an over-anticipation, anxiety-driven move. Um, because I, the decision was made because the Dodgers uh, th- throughout the year, and especially the postseason, with that that comeback in the season, the the, um, the series pr- previous before that one, um, once they get a couple hits that and those bats get going, they build momentum and they just run it up on you. And that's I think what they wanted to avoid, but they pulled the trigger a little too quickly because baseball, being the patient game it's supposed to be, you can't always have impulsive you know decisions like that, especially with pitching. I feel like Blake Snell was just really getting going, um, and he's obviously one of the best in the game at what he does. The guy's got stuff, so I mean, I, it was. I get why because they didn't want it to, the Dodgers to run it up, but I mean, I don't think at that point it really mattered. But they were better off playing their best pitcher, and Blake Snell was their best pitcher that, especially that night. Um, so it was a mistake. But I mean, if it worked out, he would look like a genius. It's just kind of one of those catch twenty two type of th- deals, and uh, I think the Dodgers were going to win regardless in my mind. So it didn't really matter to me. But I can fully 100% understand the frustration from Blake Snell's side. And you can tell from like Kevin Kiermeyer and other Rays players, they really wanted to be honest and be like, yeah. what the fuck were we thinking, man? Yeah, I can imagine Blake Snell, man. He probably yeah. wants out. That, that was his that's game. That's his moment. You see you it in his mean? face. He was like, yeah. what am I supposed to do it sucks, here, man? man. Like, throw a no-hitter in order to stay in the fucking game? Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, also, it's not like he was putting in just a no-name pitcher out there. He was putting probably the best closer in the league. But think about it. It's Blake Snell. Like he... No, but I'm saying like who replaced him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I think he was, uh, I think he was interested. Uh, he's arguably the best closer in the league today. Well, if right. I'm not mistaken, though, wasn't Anderson coming off a really like historically bad stretch where he'd given up a run in like five straight know. appearances? So like it wasn't that he just gave up Snell, who was, who was the mule for them. It was yeah. they were putting in a pitcher who has not been pitching well. So it was kind of a weird, questionable decision. Man, I could be wrong on that, but from what I was hearing, Anderson was coming yeah. off a really bad stretch. But I, throughout the season and, and years past, I think he's been arguably one of the best closers in the game. Crazy stat on this one, too, to add to your point. Snell hadn't gone past six innings all season. Yeah. So 
if you want to look at it from an, an experimental point of view, like it made yeah. sense for them to pull him. Right. But when you're in the World Series, this is like the same method when it comes to uh, Giannis on Anacumpo out there in uh, Milwaukee. I get he only plays 30, 31 minutes a game in the regular season. Yeah. When it comes to the playoffs, he's got to play 38, 40. It's got, it, you have to have him out there. This is for all the marbles here, man. This is for the kit and caboodle here, bro. You got to get your guy out there and, get, and win these games. I think it was the uh, game one. I think it was the seventh inning, and Dave Roberts had told, because uh, I think uh, Clayton Kershaw just gave up a hit, and Dave Roberts told uh, the pitching coach, it was like, hey, go out there and talk to him. And then Clayton Kershaw just like, hey, no. I was like, what are you doing? No. Like, stop. Don't even come yeah. over here. Yeah. It's like, maybe that could have been some kind of attitude from someone. like, no, like, well, Snow doesn't have the pull that Clayton has, but yeah, like, Clayton can say know, fuck off, and yeah, yeah, because Clayton, I guess because Clayton is Clayton, and he's right. Like, That's another point. Yeah, they, with, with Snow, True. it's like they didn't even have the pitching coach come out there to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, just pulled him. You have Kevin Cash coming out there, yeah. throwing up the arm, well, you know. And, and you, I mean, Kevin Cash could have went up to the mound. He was like, "Hey, how you feeling?" How you, like depending on how he saw him. Yes. Then you can make that call, but he as soon as he walked out, he was like already. Yeah, see, the truth is they were they were shook. They were shook. They saw those two hits, whether they were nice hits or not. They were shook. They didn't want the the Dodgers to catch that rhythm and 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 run it up. And And that's the funny thing because it was one out, and then it was uh, a person in the first first base, I think it was. So and it was Mookie Betts. He was facing the lineup again for the third time, and it was Mookie Betts. And they take him out, and then Mookie hits a, a, a double. <laughs> yeah. And yep, the whole game changed after that. Yeah. They had an error. That's what I'm saying. It didn't it, to me, it didn't matter. But yeah, well deserved by the Dodgers for sure. Yeah. All right, keeping it with MLB now. Uh, so MLB has announced that it is investigating Justin Turner for celebrating after testing positive during the game. Now I want to get your thoughts on that. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally honest, man. I know Eddie, you and I have talked about this off air, man. I I I totally get because I was a baseball player and I won championships. Obviously, not the magnitude of the World Series, but I get you want to celebrate. And Justin Turner has every right as a player who's been there with the Dodgers now for several years and has been one of the most like he's been the backbone of that team. Let's be honest, Justin Turner is beloved uh, in L.A. Uh, by his team and by the fans and by everybody. But man, look, it just, it looked, the optics of it was so bad. Like, it isn't that he was just out there with his team, but he was huddled up with his team and he was sitting right next to his manager who's just survived cancer. Took his mask off. Yeah, Dave Roberts is right next to him. And it's just, to me, it looked, I'm going to be honest, it looked ignorant. It it looked ignorant. Again, I want to sympathize because it's like, look, man, this is what you've, he's 36 years old, so he doesn't have many seasons left, if any. He might retire. Yeah. This is what he's been waiting on his whole career. You know, this is that shining moment. You want to be there with your teammates, so I get it. And I know his teammates wanted him there. Hell, Dave Roberts wanted him there too, even despite knowing that. But look, man, this is bigger than us. Like, I don't want to get all you know philosophical here when it comes to COVID and things of that nature. But there's got to be a certain level of sensitivity because, furthermore, you have people watching that. And if they see the athletes knowing that they tested positive and knowing they're still out there. It's almost like you're going to – because people are going to be influenced by these athletes. Everyone is from all ages. Yeah. They're going to see that and they're going to think, well, maybe it won't be that bad for us. Maybe I can go and hang out with my family a little bit more, my friends, and do these things, even if I have it. No, no big deal, right? They're fine. 
and then it causes more of a spread. Like, I'm not a scientist here, so I'm not going to sit here and Fauci up this, this conversation. What I'm going to say, though, is that there, there's got to be a certain level of sensitivity when it comes to knowing you have something this significant. It may not be killing a bunch of people, but there are a bunch of people who have died with association to it. And there needs to be sensitivity to it. And I feel like Justin, Justin Turner absolutely missed the mark by doing that because I feel it was very selfish and I do think it was very ignorant despite knowing why he did do it. Selfish, ignorant. I mean, it felt almost intentional that he was doing that. And then the way he took his mask off and, what, like you said, sitting next to his manager who's a cancer survivor who, whose immune system is compromised, like that's the biggest thing. People with immune system that are compromised, that have weaker immune systems, anybody who's had cancer and beat cancer, you're, by nature your immune system is going to be a little weaker than, than, than normal. So, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Um, it, the optics of it absolutely were rough. Um, I, but, I mean, you just won the World Series. You've worked your ass off your whole career. You've had a long career. You know, I, I get that, man, but I don't know. It, it was definitely a bad look. It was definitely a, it was a raisin in the, the, potato, the, potato, the potato salad of the celebration, I guess, if you can put it in the, as, a, as an analogy. I just, I was kind of hot and cold about it. I wasn't sure how to feel about it, but I mean, obviously, optically, optically, it doesn't look good um, with the, what we're going through in this country. There's no bubble in the MLB, so it's not, you know, it's not the same as like, you know, the, with the Lakers how they celebrated. Obviously, everyone was clear there, but knowing that you have it, purposely, you know, flaunting around and celebrating, taking your mask off, you could have at least left the mask on. I know we're not going to get political on here, but it's just a bad look. Um, it's over with. Hopefully, he. I don't know. I don't really know how to. There's not much to say on it. it. It's a bad look. It was it was a dumb move. It shouldn't have. He shouldn't have had it happen that way with you know all the with the world watching, and like you said, it could be impressionable to other athletes that are watching, um, or just people in general. It, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody that doesn't want to wear a mask or or play things safe is going to need any extra motivation. But we're not, <laughs> we're not going to go there. People are going to do what they do. Um, but as a professional athlete. They just won the World Series on the, one of the biggest stages in sports. You have a responsibility to uh, with your influence. Um, so, yeah, he could have at least, in my mind, he could have at least worn the mask. If he would just kept the mask on, it wouldn't have been as big a deal to me. But he, like, intentionally takes the mask off, sits next to his manager, and is, like, you know, spouting off in the mouth and cheering with all his guys. Saliva it was very going, defiant. Saliva going, as I'm saying, it felt very intentional. Yeah. Uh, knowing that the camera's going to be on you because you, everyone knows you're the guy that had COVID that night. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a bad look. I believe uh, I was reading a report saying that he came out an hour after the game was won. Yeah. For the team picture, uh, I believe he only hugged Jensen and the GM, if I'm not mistaken. And after that, I think he disappeared again. Uh, but it's it not sucks. Even, it's, but it's not even about physical contact hugging. Yeah. You, you mean it's, it's on your saliva. It sucks spit. because you like I said he he's been waiting for his whole career for this. I, I understand, man, but yeah. damn, like I'm not okay with it. I'm just not. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I mean, I think if his teammates were not okay with it, I'm sure they would have said something. I think their minds were a little bit elsewhere, but I mean, well, just, yeah, I mean, I they're, 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 they're celebrating. They just wanted to go get drunk. They were asked afterwards too. They've been interviewed. Yeah. That's their guy too. So they're gonna. Yeah, they've, been, they've been interviewed since. I honestly can't sit here and say I would be like if I'm in that moment. I just won the World Series. I'm gonna be like, "Fuck it, dude, hug me." Mm. I'm not gonna lie. I would probably be that same way. That's why I'm not like shitting on him. Yeah. 
but the optics of it does look does look bad. But I mean, if me and I'm in that moment, like you said, you've won championships, you play baseball, it's a, winning the World Series is about one of the biggest accomplish, accomplishments oh, in yeah. sports history. So I mean, Clayton has got his, you know, his his, his ring. So I, I'm not gonna act like I wouldn't be out there giving a shit who had COVID in that moment. I'm just gonna be honest, like I. That's just, but I mean, the optics of it and the stage that they were on, it just, yeah. you kind of have a responsibility. I, I, love, I love game six and the way it ended because uh, I believe it's Victor Hernandez mm-hmm. and Julio Diaz, yeah. both Mexican. Legit. Uh, Victor Hernandez took the win and Julio Diaz closed the game. Yep, it's pretty yeah. poetic. Because the last time they won the World bro. Series, who was the man? Yeah. For Fernando Valencia. <laughs> That's right, dude. That's right. It's, oh. it's very poetic. Yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> Switching sports, now we're going into the NBA. Uh, so there's reports that that former Rockets GM Daryl Morey is in talks to oversee the 76ers operations. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, it's it's. I think it's only – it really depends on what his first move is going to be because the, the, the ongoing question is what's the future of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? Who do you keep? Uh, is there an inevitable breakup? Daryl Morey, uh, something Nick Wright had talked about this week that I really loved because I actually felt the same way before I even heard him say it was, you know, everyone associates small ball with Daryl Morey. I don't believe that's the case. I think that Daryl Morey was dedicated to small ball in Houston because that's the style of the star player they had in James Harden. Yeah. Uh, in, in Philadelphia, he's analytically driven. Yes, he's analytically driven, which means analytics change right. uh, per circumstance and situation and scenario. So in Philadelphia, for all we know, Morey's going to go with the big you know, ball type of situation, you know, where he's focused more on Embiid and working the ball through Embiid yep. and things of that nature, which, by the way... I tend to lean with a little bit more, even though Ben Simmons might have more to his game when it comes to passing and defense and things of that nature, I guess. Joel Embiid's, in my opinion, the better player, and I think that Daryl Morey's going to probably hitch his wagon to Joel Joel Embiid if he can stay healthy. So um, do I like the signing? Yes, because I like the idea of Daryl Morey with Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers is going to need all the help he can get in Philadelphia because right now, Doc doesn't exactly have a shining reputation when it comes to playoffs. And in Philadelphia, they're trying to win. So this is going to be one of those things where I think it's only going to help Philadelphia try to get to that place because Daryl Morey, whether people want to uh, you know, overlook the whole China situation or not, he's been very good at his job. Daryl Morey's been very good at his job for the most part. And I think that it's going to, it's going to bode well for Philly. I don't think they're going to be like contenders or anything anytime soon. But but a perennial playoff team, yeah, I definitely see them being that. Yeah, I love. I would love to see that. Um, I think Daryl Morey is brilliant. Um, I think what he did in, in in Houston was brilliant, and I think it it it, it almost sh- in my mind should have worked out. When Chris Paul went down, that was rough, man, because they had that Warriors team against the ropes, and they had their number, and they were beating him, beating them. You know, they were, they were forcing the, the Warriors to play at their pace because that that that. Uh, Rockets team was very good half court offense, and they're forcing the the pace to slow down a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, if if Maury can bring his his brilliance to Philly with Doc Rivers, and, and you know, and I fully believe there will be some moves made, um, whether it, like it, whether it's Embiid or Ben Simmons, I would lean more towards Ben Simmons because Embiid's definitely more of the outlier as far as talent. He's he's got way more to offer on and every facet of the game. Um, I can definitely see them making some moves and bringing some guys there to surround and bead with and make a make, and make a contender in the East because they're going to need to because the East has got some people coming back healthy. The Nets team is going to come back and, and you know should be a good team there. Um, but yeah, I, I fully expect. I don't think Doc Rivers just goes to any any location to to be on a team that's trash. Um, he's a high 
caliber coach, and I fully expect him to make moves to, to his liking, and I think Daryl Morey could definitely add to that. Um, I think they could definitely be a good tandem. I think Daryl Morey likes to – his. From what I've always known, he's been in really good communication with his coaches and his players, and what they you know what works for them. And I think he would bring uh, uh, the talent needed for them to be a successful franchise again. So that that Sixers team is, is supposed to have been good, man. They've dealt with injuries. They've had star talent. They've got a good roster right now. Um, they just have extremely underachieved with what we have all expected. I mean, they've been finals favorites for the past couple seasons. You know, we've, I think I had them in the finals. Yeah, I had them in the finals this past year. So, um, Daryl Morey definitely would be a great addition to that franchise, no doubt. All right. All right, next question, NBA still. So, the NBA and the MBPA uh, agreed to extend deadline to serve notice on terminating the CBA. Uh, and now the extension goes through November 6th. And Walsh just reported an hour ago that both the NBA and the NBA and the MBPA are are at differences in when the when they want the league to start. So the NBA is pushing for a December twenty second start and the MBPA wants a mid January season start with fewer games than seventy two. And the NBA is not coming down any lower than seventy two and it does not want to start past the December twenty second deadline or uh start of the season. Uh do you think that they'll come to an agreement in, in what what day or will we see like that season take you know, like, or will will it affect the season? Oh, it's going to affect the season. Um, I don't think, though, that there's any chance in hell the season starts past December. The NBA has money to make. They need at least 72 games. And the NBA PA, the Players Association, I'm more on their side on most things. But the beautiful, unique situation that the NBA has is Adam Silver. Adam Silver is respected by the Players Association. So there's more of a middle ground between them than there is in the NFL and the MLB when it comes to their Players Associations, their respective Players Associations and their relationship with those commissioners and their, and their brass, if you will. Um, I, I definitely think this is going to be taken care of. I, I think they're going to come to an agreement. Uh, I definitely think there's going to be some things that the NBA is going to have to give to the players to sweeten the pot a little bit because to the players' credit, they just went through something that we've never gone through before. And they went through something that was very dramatic. They had to be away from their families for about 12 to 16 weeks. That's very tough to do. And they got through it. And they, they held their own zero positive tests. They made it happen. The NBA was saved last season because the players, they, they, all, they all went in. They said, you know what, we're all in. Let's get this thing done. And there was social and just unrest. There was all kinds of things going on in the midst. And they still powered through it. So the, the NBA is going to have to give them some credit here. Having said that, there is no way in hell they're missing out on Christmas games. The NBA has to have those Christmas games. They need to get games in as soon as possible. I know it's a short season or a short off season, but the NBA has short off seasons anyway. You're talking about June, uh, late June is when the season ends officially, most seasons, and they're back at it in October. That's only a couple months apart. So it's, it's essentially the same amount of time apart. And to be honest with you, they need to get these teams back as soon as possible anyway because there were eight teams that didn't even play at all in the bubble, which means they have been playing since March. So you can't have teams off for 10 months. That's, that's ridiculous. You're going to have teams with guys. You want to talk about the risk of injury. That's a thing that you have to really consider as well. You have eight teams in your league that didn't even get a chance to play in that bubble. 
So there's a lot of contract disputes and things of that nature you got to figure out. There's a ton of free agents. Like, you got to have all this stuff figured out. You can't be pushing this back into 2021. Because then you're talking about a season that's going to go into October again if you play it that way. So you need to pull it back as much as possible. The NBA, PA, this stuff's happened many, many times. Could I see a lockout? Sure. I think it's going to get done because they know that they need to make that money and, the, and both sides are going to come to an agreement because, like I said, the respect of Adam Silver from the players is monumental. Yeah, I mean, it, if anybody's going to find the silver lining with the players association, it's going to be Adam Silver. Uh, the fact that he made the bubble work and created the brought the idea to life with the bubble and it succeeded was amazing in itself that the, he, he got that to, to be a real thing and, and, and crown a champion through that process, which is incredible in itself. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we're talking a matter of what? Three and a half, four weeks difference of the starting time. It's not it's not that drastic. I, I don't I don't see any kind of holdout. I don't see any kind of strike. I don't see anything like that happening. I think a lot of, like you said, a lot of teams that didn't make the bubble are fiending and chopping at the bit to get you know back on the hardwood. Um, so I fully expect the Christmas games to be played. Um, I think players themselves love those kind of games. I know a lot of people like the narrative. A lot of these players like to be home with their families. But this is something that it's like a tradition. It's like Thanksgiving football, like we've talked about. It's it's in comparison, direct comparison to that. And us as fans obviously like it. The ratings Absolutely. are always out the roof on those. And especially if it's like Lakers, Clippers, and you know they bring out the big you know names. And or if it's like the Nets and you know the Sixers or something like that, a big matchup with a lot of big stars. Mm-hmm. Um, those games are always great. And opening a season. In itself, opening day for any kind of sport is like a holiday for whoever's a fanatic for that sport. So you got Christmas and and then opening day for basketball. It's like a double whammy of a holiday. So, I mean, for us, obviously, as NBA fans, we want that selfishly. And I think it's going to happen. All right. This is a little tough question that I got next for you guys. This is my last question. Um, So the NHL team, Arizona Coyotes, I don't know if you guys heard about the story. they renounced the rights to draft pick Mitchell Miller after reports came out of uh, him and another team were charged with bullying a black classmate with developmental disabilities in 2016. So he was cut, he was pretty much this was in high school or was yeah really I didn't hear so about him, that at all. Him and, uh, so this draft pick that they chosen like I believe the fourth round. They pretty oh. much said, "Yeah, we're oh wow, we're not hmm. anybody can have them." So I want to hear your thoughts on. They, what, 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 how early did they draft him? Fourth round, I think. It was. Okay, I was gonna say if that's like a first rounder, that's a pretty big deal. I, I would imagine that in these scenarios, and I, I want to read up on this a little bit before I, I give a definitive response, but yeah. I will say just from the from the initial sounds of it, it sounds like this team realized that. The the pu- the pushback from your fan base is probably and the optics of it nation- nationally is probably not worth the pick because if he's a fourth round pick and if the NHL works it the same way that the NBA or the uh, major leagues does the the NFL does it's probably not a guy that you have to build your franchise around or is going to be a franchise changer so he probably wasn't worth the headache especially after they found this out and plus I have a really tough time as as a as a um, as a fan of sports and as somebody that does a show like this, I have a hard time um, justifying me telling teams how to build their morals or what they stand on when it comes to what they want to represent their teams. Because every team has their own set of rules, standards, and morals. Um, You have teams like the Cowboys that 
Their owner is the representation of the team. He says everything. He starts all this shit. And every single sports talk show talks about the Cowboys agnosium, whether they're good, bad, horrible, awesome, whatever. And then you have teams like the Chiefs, where everything is buttoned up. You don't know nothing except here and there when it comes to big signings like Le'Veon Bell. But outside of that, you don't hear shit, right? So when it comes to teams like this, the Coyotes... It clearly sounds they're more like on the chief side of things where they don't need any bad publicity. They don't want bad publicity. So if they feel like this kid is going to give them quote-unquote bad publicity and he's not the type of player that's able to withstand that with his talent where he isn't going to justify keeping around because he's that good, I, I can't really sit here and tell this team they're wrong for doing something like this. I know we had a similar conversation about a player in the MLS, I believe, that had his wife posting shit or whatever that got him cut. I'm sitting here with the same opinion. It's like, look, if the team's sitting here talking to these guys and explaining to them their reasons and they're still doing these things or having these situations in their families or households and things of that nature, I can't really blame the team for making that decision. And it's not like this guy's been banned from the NHL. He more than likely is going to get a shot somewhere if he's good enough. That's what it all comes down to. Is he good enough? Because if he's good enough, he's going to get a job. But when it comes to this team, it comes down to their morals, and that's where their morals stand, and I'm just going to have to respect it. And that's me, again, basing it off of what I know from what you just said. I haven't honestly researched this story yet, but once I do, I can give more of a definitive uh, response and opinion. Yeah, I haven't done my due diligence on this story whatsoever, but I'm kind of torn just from hearing the surface-level information on it. I mean, we're talking high school, you know. I'm not. I'm not in any way watering down what he did or said, regardless. Whatever is factual, whatever. I don't know what is actually set in stone truth. Some of this could be hearsay. Some of this could just be the team wanted to avoid it altogether. Well, he was charged with it. He was charged with he what was, did he do exactly? Uh, bullying. Uh, did he uh, physically assault this kid? I don't know. If he, mentally, you said a mentally handicapped kid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. So he's he was charged with it by I guess by the. But wherever state he's from. Yeah, so he's he guilty. Charged. So he's guilty of bullying this so kid. So they didn't know about this kid's record before he that's, got drafted. That's, that's why I wanted to, like... Maybe, if we're going to theorize here, maybe they thought that this was just going to kind of go under the carpet, well, and then they found out, like, oh, shit, people know about uh, it. It was a local news... I don't know if it's a local newspaper, but it's a, the Arizona Republic is who revealed this story or this, this whole thing about this player. Okay. And as soon as that came out... That's when the Coyotes came out and renounced their their mm. fourth. Because I was gonna go down the route like shit, dude. I I can just I can just think back on the top of my head some of the things I did and said in high school that was that was you know not cool. But like if he was like assaulting and bullying uh, you know a special needs, let alone an African American special needs kid in high school, that's that's about that's about as low as you can set the bar, man. Um, but I mean, like I said, he was a kid at the time. I'm not I'm not anyway watering down what he did but like it sucks to see that he made that choice sucks to see that he's without a job and and had the idea that he had a job and then it was stripped from him because of his stupidity um even though he was in adolescence and still is what he couldn't be more than older than 19 uh 19 20 years old heading into this draft um i guess it wasn't high enough draft capital for him being a fourth rounder still early enough to be you know a kind of a um a significant uh move there but yeah, I mean, you, you, this is what this is. I mean, life is based on decisions, man. You know, he made the decision to do that. You know, whether he was a teenager or not. You know, whether he was influenced to do it or not. Whether he was peer pressured into doing something stupid, and he he did it. You know, as regardless of what happened, he 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 carried out the action that he was charged for and guilty of. And he's gonna have to live with the consequences, man. If it costs him a a, a job and, and playing the sport that he loves forever, 
and he has to go find a, you know, a, a regular day job, then that, shit, man, that's the card you, you dealt yourself. Yeah, especially how 2020 has been with, yeah. with this whole thing and the kid, unfortunately, being, you know, a black yeah, black that's yeah. It, it, Bullying it makes, in general. Yeah, it, it makes the story, I guess, pop out a, a lot more than what it would. Yeah. I guess you would say. Well, and I think the whole the other side of the fact that we're talking about a mentally handicapped yeah. person, yes. where they yeah. can't fend for themselves. I mean, that that makes my stomach turn. Uh, there could be racial incentive involved in this too. I, I don't know that to be sure, but it I mean the, obviously the mentally handicapped person was black. Right. So yes, I, I agree to your point, Eddie, that with the sensitivity in our in our society right now, that does elevate it naturally. But I think more importantly, I don't want to downplay that at all because I don't know if that was a part of why yeah, he bullied I, the kid. But the fact that you bullied somebody that has mental incapabilities to begin with is yeah. something that I can never excuse. Yeah, like the that fact just, that you, you're an individual that has that within you. What are you supposed to do? You have that capability of doing some shit like that. That's, yeah. in, that's in you regardless if you're an adolescent or not. I don't think I'd want somebody like that represent my franchise personally. Right, that's so just I, my personal Yeah, opinion. I mean... I think, I think his... His NHL dream is... But if I'm being honest, I feel I feel like that comes down on the head of the franchise and looks worse on them than the fact that they drafted them. I'm like, oh, shit, I guess we... They, I feel like they were maybe expecting, you know, no one to really catch that. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the angle they were taking. Because, this, again, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to believe yeah, they didn't know about we, that. I need to read up on this. I want to read yeah, up on this. It's and, hard for me to believe they didn't do yeah. their due diligence on his record. <clears throat> that's kind of hard for me to believe. But, yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened. Night, I think it was. Wow, yeah, I didn't, oh, I did not even hear yeah. about that. It's trending on Twitter. Yeah. I'm gonna get on Twitter then. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not. Eddie, that was a great. That was a great Eddie hour, man. That was Absolutely. awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. And we're gonna take a quick break because when we get back, we need to we need to review a little bit on the Broncos Chiefs game. A little bit of that. We got a real nail biter coming up this Sunday. <laughs> Let me just tell you guys, we got the we got the Jets coming into town. The Le'Veon Bell game. Let's see baby. if they can keep it within 20 points. We're gonna give you guys our thoughts on this game. Maybe some things we might be a little concerned about might shock you guys. Um, Nevertheless, though, we need to talk about it. So we'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twiddle, here inside the KCPN studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Miss Gad on the ones and twos. I think you guys have kind of caught on by now that when we, when we have these shows that run a little bit late, our college guy, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, sometimes has to dip out a little bit early. We totally get it. He's got an education to go and get, kids. College grad. So he's going to be paying our bills very soon, yeah. so we're all in support of it. Go out there and get that money, CSI Miami, because that's what Eddie's about to go do is become a... Kansas City detective. Kansas, CSI KC, that'd be legit. So like, if you ever die, yeah. Eddie's got on the case. <laughs> we'll come in and throw on them glasses. Yeah. Well, well, Jay, I guess you could say the cat's out of the bag. Yeah! You know, he's going to have one of the... CSI KC would be like for like one season or maybe like get a pilot in where it's like a, a cow gets killed on someone's farm. You know, and they're oh, he's, dig- he's gonna get his own Dexter show. Oh, nice! Yeah. It's gonna be HBO. Hey, that, that reboot's coming out, by the way. I'm so I stoked about cannot that. Wait. Cannot wait because they could not have butchered the ending any worse than they did. But nevertheless, Mumford let's get back Dexter. to our sports because our Chiefs, and I say our Chiefs very confidently because it was a fun ass game last week. One of the few blowouts the Chiefs have had this year, uh, comfortable blowouts, I'll say, where the game was pretty much out of reach. 
uh, from the beginning. Uh, you know, the, the, the game was close in score for the first half, but I think we all kind of knew that the Chiefs were going to end up just blowing the doors off of the Broncos, and that's exactly what they did, scoring on all three facets, as we talked with Darren Smith earlier about. Um, uh, despite what Broncos players say about this team being neck and neck, these two teams being neck and neck, the, these two teams could not be further apart. And I, and I appreciate our guy Zach Stevens coming on last week, being very honest with us, a Denver uh, Broncos beat reporter for DNVR, coming on talking about this team and talking about where they're at and where Drew Locke's at. I'm kind, I'm starting, to, and I want to talk about the Chiefs, but I want to start with the Broncos a little bit, Trevor. I'll get your thoughts on this too. I think we're really starting to understand what Drew Locke is. Yeah. I think we're understanding now that Drew Locke is probably not the guy. Now, I know he's only played, what, nine games in his career. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's over because I don't want to be a hypocrite and talk about that and then say McCole Hardman hasn't got a fair shot. But there are times where you look at a quarterback, you watch a quarterback, you see the way he plays, and we can't sit here and say Drew Locke doesn't have a ton of talent around him because he absolutely does. He's got a ton of talent around him offensively. And, and I feel like there's just something missing to him. Now, in college, dude was unbelievable. He led, the league, he led the nation in touchdowns, I believe, in his final season, his junior year. Uh, he was incredible back in high school. The talent's there. But I, th- I feel like there's just a missing piece to Drew Locke. And maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe it's a uh, uh, he doesn't study enough. I don't know. I don't know his ins and outs of, of the playbook and things like that. I don't know how much he's dedicated to it. All I do know is the times I've seen Drew Locke play against the Chiefs, he has looked absolutely lost. He's he's put up fifty five less than fifty five percent completion percentage against the Chiefs. He's obviously zero and two. He's never thrown a touchdown against the Chiefs, and he's thrown three interceptions against them. One pick six, with a quarterback rating under fifty. Look, if you can't even look serviceable against against the class of your division and the NFL. I feel like you're, you're the, the clock's ticking on you. And the pressure that John Elway is under with that franchise, I think it's inevitable at this point the Broncos are going to go out there and try to trade for one of these veteran quarterbacks, whether it's Matt Stafford, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, somebody like that. They're willing to eat some money to get a quarterback in here so they can start competing with the talent they have around the quarterback position against the Chiefs and against the Raiders and against these Chargers. Because look at the Chargers with Justin Herbert, how promising he well, looks. It's an attractive place to go play. It is. It is. The bowl travels in Denver. Yeah. It's still an attractive spot. And they have good young weapons on the yeah. offense. Um, I still don't feel like it's fair yet to judge him entirely yet because not only has he dealt with his own injuries, he's had a lot of his weapons have injuries, you know, and uh, he hasn't really been able to build a rapport with a lot of these young guys yet. He's got a stud and no fan. He's got Jerry Judy just coming in this year. This is his second year, but he's already been banged up both years. Him sucking against the Chiefs, I'm not going to count against him because we've made Lamar Jackson look very pedestrian too. And he's even openly called us his kryptonite. So if we can do that against a guy like Lamar Jackson, the previous MVP of last year, I'm not going to say, oh, he sucked against us as some kind of, you know, downplay of his. T- I still think he's a talented kid. I think he's got some upside that we have, untapped potential that we haven't necessarily seen yet. Because like you said, he's, he's, I think he almost leads the league in dropped touchdowns as far as his guys dropping touchdowns. He's, very, he's fairly accurate down the field. Um, but I think he could be, like, another Derek Carr. I really think because their games are similar. They're not very mobile, but they're mobile enough yeah. to, like, scramble and throw on the run. And, they're and they like to turn the ball over. Of course. But, I mean, at the same time, he's had a makeshift offensive line, not too much consistency with his offensive line. He's been banged up. He sucked again in the division. He's been pretty bad. 
but if they, if they, you know, manage a way to keep Von Miller, I think Von Miller's gone, but if they manage to keep, you know, Von Miller around, build that defense up, and it's already been a good defense so far this year with the pieces that they've lost, and they get those weapons healthy, you know, Jerry Judy gets going. I think they could be, you know, I think he could have a, a success in Denver. But I, I agree with you at the same time, man. I, he's, he's got some upside there, but he's also got a lot of downside. Um, I think he's a pretty mediocre quarterback, if I'm being honest. That's where I kind of stand. I, I, I know that he didn't have the Baker Mayfield hype, not even close. Yeah. But I feel it's like the, I feel like yeah, I feel like he's kind of like getting in that same tier with Baker Mayfield, where there's more disappointment than you know upside. Where you're like, okay, no, this guy has it. I, I watched the yeah. game. I watched the game, and I was. Not watching this game just for you know the Chiefs. I was like, let's see, because because where the where the AFC West is right now, you're you're seeing the the the, the next generation really start to take shape. You know, Philip Rivers obviously was gone this last offseason. Uh, Joe Flacco, I don't even know what the hell Denver was doing with all that. Uh, Derek Carr is still in his 20s, so you know he could be around for a, at least a few more years if the if the Raiders really want him, which I don't believe. But you're seeing Justin Herbert. I think the guy's already a top ten quarterback in the league. He's been unbelievable. Finally he has got, a, finally got his win. Yeah, he's not just good. This yeah. kid is borderline great. Well, I mean, and he threw what four touchdowns last week to guys that no one even knows. He butchered the <laughs> Buccaneers defense, who's yeah. been one of the better defenses in the league. He butchered them in their house. Was second start, third start? I mean, beat, he almost beat Drew Brees in the dome. Like that was a. That was that's so, when I knew that game. Was so the game. expectations and the standards are, are rising for the AFC West because you have Patrick Mahomes, who is the class of quarterbacks. You have Justin Herbert, who is quickly emerging as a star quarterback in this league. Yeah. You have Derek Carr, who's playing good football. We got we got to give Derek Carr some credit. He's playing best, good football. Probably his best year. It's even better. And he, he was once an MVP candidate. His numbers are even better than that year. Right. So so Derek Carr is playing good football, and then you have Drew Luck. So even though. I, I'm with you on the whole aspect of it's early and he is talented. The problem for Drew, though, is he doesn't have that time. He doesn't have the luxury because he's not playing in the NFC East where he's a Daniel Jones who's turning the ball over every game, but your division sucks, so it doesn't look as bad. When you're playing in the division with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek now. Carr, and John Gruden and these big names, yes, you have to you have to put it together now. And yeah. so people can say that's unfair. The, the life's unfair, guys. I'm sorry. The NFL's unfair. Drew Locke's going to have to get it together now, or I have 100% certainty, and even our guy Zach Stevens from the Denver Beat Report said it himself. Yeah. He could very well see John Elway pulling the trigger and going and getting one of these mid-30s the quarterbacks that you can plug right in. Yeah, because yeah, if, if you put Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers or Matt Stafford in this Broncos offense... They are automatically one of the better offenses in the Especially, NFL. Yeah, Stafford, automatically. Stafford would be an ideal guy. Automatically. You imagine with Matt Stafford's arm talent, and in that thin air in Denver, yeah. oh, my God, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Corton Sutton, all those guys out there, it would be a massacre. That would be a great offense. Yeah. So John Elway, although he's been terrible with the quarterback position, he has built talent around the quarterback position. Roster, yeah. He has built awesome defenses. The coaching situations have always been a little bit questionable. The point is, that team is sitting there lying and waiting for a quarterback to take them places. So, I, I mean, obviously the Chiefs are going to still take care of business regardless of who their quarterback is because they have Patrick Mahomes. The point, though, is I feel like the Broncos are really underachieving with Drew Locke as their quarterback. I, yeah, I do think the fact that Herbert exists in this division now and has kind of burst onto the scene, if that didn't happen, I do think that we would be thinking about this differently. But I, th- I think the fact that the fact that Mahomes is already who he is, and we're already we're already the defending champs within the division, and we own this division. 
that alone is a, is a, is a, uh, a, a tough enough goal to you know defend against or compete against. But the fact that Herbert's on the scene now, and that's also a really good roster and a decently well coached team, um, that 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 puts all the more pressure on on not only Locke to perform, but Elway to you know have somewhat of success or be somewhat you know competitive within the division. That, I mean that's a tough task. It's a it's a lot to ask for. But yeah, Herbert definitely threw a wrench into all this. I think they could have been a little more patient with Locke and developed him a little more. But the fact that Herbert's just walked into a starting job and has looked great and hasn't looked back, that's a lot of added pressure for the for the Denver team that that definitely has the ego and has the the championship you know history of being a winning franchise and they want to continue that tradition. So yeah, it, it could get interesting, man, with these with these free agents that are definitely looking to win. I can yeah. definitely see Stafford if he wants to win a chip or attempt to win a chip. I mean, Detroit's just never. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. have they have weapons too, but they're just never going to get. Now them. on the Chiefs side of things, um, first things first. They like I said, they dominated on all three facets of the game. Uh, offense, surprisingly enough, was I would say ranked third when it comes to how well uh, all three facets of the game played for the Chiefs. Nevertheless. Mm-hmm. There is a misconception here. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, only had 200 passing yards in this game. Everybody thinks, oh, he was struggling. <laughs> What's funny is Lamar Jackson hasn't gotten to 200 passing yards in a month. So let's contextualize this for a second. Second of all, the Chiefs were down, I think, two or three possessions at least in this game where you had the pick six, yeah. you know, you had the kick return uh, for a touchdown with Byron Pringle. You know, you had a lot of things go right for the defense and special teams to the point where you didn't need the offense. Now, did the offense play great when they had the ball? No. But again, there, there's, there. I think it's actually awesome. I'm a, I'm a selfish Mahomes fan. I'm a Chiefs fan, but I'm also a Mahomes fan. There, are, there is a difference here. I'm both, and I love it when Patrick Mahomes has these 380-yard, four-touchdown games because it looks awesome. It's fun. It's exciting. His numbers go up. All these things, right? I'm a stats guy myself. But as a Chiefs fan, I love victories like this because of the fact that it shows me that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to be special for this team to go and lay a fucking smackdown on a divisional opponent on the road. Like, that's so beautiful. They go in there, Patrick Mahomes puts up Alex Smith numbers, and they win by three touchdowns and a field goal? Or, no, yeah, three touchdowns and two field goals. 27 points. To be able to go and do that while Patrick, I mean, you you see the score total and you don't see the stats. Yeah, I guarantee you, you and I'd be sitting here going, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes had to have five touchdown passes, four hundred and ten yards." You know, Clyde went off for one hundred and thirty. Yeah, Clyde went off for a buck thirty. Yeah. You know, two touchdowns. You know, whatever the case is, like you're you're thinking that the Chiefs just offensively just went off. No, that's the complete opposite. In fact, the Broncos' offense had a better game than the Chiefs' offense did. So. In all actuality, it isn't a sexy game, but sexy isn't what the Chiefs are really looking for right now. What they're looking for is a repeat performance and winning a Super Bowl. And these are the type of victories you have to have along the way in order for you to achieve that. Trevor, what did you take away from this uh, Chiefs beatdown in Denver? Yeah, I mean, I echo that, too. I'm a stats guy, too, and I love watching Mahomes just rip apart and tear the soul out of teams. That's very fun. The most enjoyable part of being a fan since Mahomes has joined this team. And I'm also a fantasy guy. You saw how I, was, I own a lot of fantasy guys on, on my team, the pieces of this offense, and Travis Kelsey. Obviously, you saw me sweating when he wasn't getting anything going, so I was dying. I'm, you know, I lost some money with Kelsey's performance there. But at the same time, like as a fan, as a re- real football fan watching real football, not in fantasy land, not in you know stat land, the only stat that matters is the wins and loss. 
and we got the W, and it was a big W. And these last two games have just been strange ways since Mahomes has been here. We don't typically win games that way. We don't typically win the game by running 40, 50 times and just running it down the throats of teams when we have Mahomes. We don't normally win the games by you know defensive touchdowns and defensive pressures and turnover rates and 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 and, and you know depending on thing, crazy things like then kick returns. We don't necessarily depend on those kinds of things. And those all the other assets of the facets of the game took over the game. I love it, man. I love it because we didn't have to put anything really out there. Mahomes didn't have to do too much. When, when Mahomes can kind of like just kind of like moonwalk through the game and kind of almost have a day off, I'm fine with that. He's no one's. Everyone knows who Mahomes is. He doesn't have to go out there and prove who he is anymore. He's an MVP. He's a he's a he's a, he's a championship MVP. He's a champion. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He's a, he's a Super Bowl champion. That, that that's all that matters. And he's working towards his second one. And that's what we're looking at. We're playing the sh- we're playing the long game, right? Mm-hmm. We're not we're not we don't need week by week performances. I, I think he's going to go out there and have uh, probably four touchdowns, four or five touchdown tosses this game. And we'll get to that, and he'll probably you know be pulled a little early. But a win is a win, man, and and it was a fun win, honestly. In reality, like I said, outside of fantasy, outside of Pat's stats, it was a blast watching our defense, you know, eat. It was a blast seeing Byron Pringle out there return a, a kick return. Yeah. See him get some, you know, exposure. Right. Because he's kind of like a camp favorite. It was cool seeing Byron Pringle get that exposure. And, and uh, yeah, man, I mean, overall, like, how can I not be happy? Mahomes didn't have to do shit. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't, we didn't have to do anything. Our defense showed up. Our defense is looking really good, even though it was against, you know, a, a pretty bad offense. Um, but, man, I, as a fan, I enjoyed it. It was fun. We kind of knew it was over by halftime, so it was kind of we just kind of rested on that um, and kind of coasted through the rest of it. And I think that's it, how Andy, I think that's it how, was nice. I like think that's how Andy Reid approached it too. The second half, it was, it was nice that we didn't have to stress on a game right. for like the first time in a month. Yeah, you know, I it was lost interest in like the reality of the game. Yeah. I was just stressing over my fantasy <laughs> shit. That's how <laughs> that, bad was, it that was that was the conversation yeah. for the rest of the game. I was that is stressed true. out because Kelsey well, was getting shit. I have a strong feeling that that's going to be the case this week again against the New York Jets. Oh. Um, you know, very rarely do I come into a a game where I feel so I, I I would say arrogant because the Chiefs are just so much better in every possible way when it comes to the Jets. Like this this game should not be played if we're going to be honest. Like I I know there is always the possibility of an upset. I, I get that. I'm not trying, especially after getting humbled by the Raiders. I, I'm tr- I'm not trying to take any opponent lightly, and I don't think the Chiefs will take the Jets lightly. Um, I do believe that they will go in this game with all intents and purposes of, look, the Jets are going to give us their best. But here's the thing about the Jets. They are arguably the worst team we have ever seen. Le- legitimately yeah. the worst team we have the ever two seen. two best receivers are out. Yes, exactly. So not only not only are they horrible as a collective, yeah. but they're hobbled. Yeah. Like they're, they're not even going to go out there with their best players. Yeah. So... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna try to keep this the analytical side of things as as quick as possible because I don't feel like we really need to break down this matchup that much. That's why we didn't have a, a Jets beat writer on this show because I I feel like we'd be putting them through something to have to come on here on a Friday night when they can be out having beers with their wives and kids. Yeah. Well, not their kids, but you know having you know dinner with their family. They're, the they're in Kansas City. Yeah, they're on a Kansas City Zoom call <laughs> talking about how bad the Chiefs are gonna beat the Christ out of their team. Instead, like I, I wanted to just make this one quick because I think that's what the Chiefs are going to do. I think that what they're going to do in this game is they're going to make quick work of the Jets. I think they're going to go in there, 
Andy Reid's going to come in with the approach of, hey, let's get early touchdowns, let's make this game quick, let's get through this, and let's run the ball in the second half. I think you're going to see Chad hitting again for a second straight week. I think Le'Veon Bell's going to get a ton of touches in this game for multiple reasons. One, it's going to be a blowout, and two, they want him to make a statement against the Jets, and I'm going to stick with my prediction. I think he's going to have a funny throw, a touchdown pass of some sort in the, in the end zone, in the, in the 10 to 15-yard radius. I think they're going to do a funny little you know, jet sweep pass throw thing that they're going to do because you know Andy Reid loves writing those things up. I think you're going to see him do something funny like that when they're up, you know, twenty-seven to three or something like that. I think this game, there's just not much to really take away from this matchup because there's not really much of one. I would like it if Patrick Mahomes is out by the end of the second quarter. Um, but Trevor, if you could, you can rack your brain for a second. Build me a scenario real quick of how you could see this game actually being close. Literally, and I, I don't even want to say it out loud. But the only way I can see this even being remotely possibly a game is if Mahomes gets hurt somehow. That's the only way. Or they just decide not to start him. But even then, we've seen, uh, you know, the likes of Matt Moore and Chad Haney go in there and compete against, you know, a good Packers team and compete against a good Vikings team last year. And we won the Vikings game last year. That was, a, you know, and we should have won the Packers one. So, I mean, there, I don't think there's a real scenario where this game is close. I just don't. I mean, we saw... We've seen this team get literally just destroyed by everyone they faced. Um, granted, they kept it strangely close last week against the Bills, which was has a lot more to say. That gives me a lot more to say about the Bills than it does the Jets. Um, I just this game, I think we're going to go out there. I think this is kind of like a almost like a scrimmage for the Chiefs. I'm not trying to be like an asshole, but like I feel like this is kind of kind of one of those go out there and get right games, kind of find a rhythm offensively. I think it's important for us to at least go out there and play the first half. You know, like we would face anybody else. Go out there and let Mahomes get some rhythm. Maybe I think this. I think what's going to happen is I think Mahomes and Tyreek are going to kind of get a little rhythm because we've kind of seen the rhythm off so far this year. I know Tyreek scored the first three weeks. He's got six touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. does he have six? He has six. He, he scored, scored a touchdown last week. I think he scored the first. Oh, yeah, he did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but it just hasn't been the same as far as their, you know, from what we know of that dynamic duo. I think we might see maybe a, a deep touchdown to Tyreek. Get McCole a touchdown. Get his confidence up. I think this is kind of like a get right spot for our offense to kind of get up because we didn't they didn't have to do anything last week. Right. So this is maybe you know maybe get Travis Kelsey another touchdown. Um, but I think McCole and, and, and Tyreek score early. Uh, I think we kind of get our speedster guys you know their touchdowns. Uh, I think we go up by at least you know two and a half scores, um, and then kind of maybe towards the end of the third quarter pull Mahomes out depending how my by how much we're up. Yeah. Uh, and then from I think it's gonna be mostly run heavy. I think we're going to see a lot of Le'Veon Bell. I really do. I think that's there's not really a revenge game narrative there because he wasn't there long enough and he barely played when he was there. If he wants to stick it to Adam Gase and to let him know what he's missing and misused, I get that. I do think we're going to see a lot of Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon has a really, really good game. Uh, but, I mean, I think it's going to be mostly run-dominant offensive scheme from us after we go by a couple scores. I think Pat gets his a couple tosses. But overall, I, I think this is going to be a snooze, to be honest with you, man. This is where I'm concerned, not from a matchup perspective, because there is no matchup. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not no. even going to try to entertain it because the Jets are – I it really – They could legitimately go 0-16. Oh, Our guy Bink on the way here, I was listening to Binkley's show. You're on pace. And, and Bink's on the same path. He thinks that this team could very well go 0-16 oh, because this is probably the worst team yeah, I've ever it, seen. They're by far the worst. They have zero stars. I think Sam Darnold has the potential to be a star, and I think, yeah. he's, I think he's going to get a second chance somewhere else next season. And he'll only be 
24, 25 years old. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities elsewhere. I mean, I yeah. could really see him going to New Orleans. I can see him going to Indianapolis. Like, there's other teams he can go to. Yeah, sure. The point, though, is they have zero stars on this roster. Zero. They used to have with Jamal Adams gone. Quentin Williams has the potential. He's not a star yet. Had Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Had Le'Veon Bell gone, right? Greg Williams scares the shit out of me. The defensive coordinator for the Jets. That's why I said. One of the dirtiest motherfuckers in NFL history. Let me me put it in context for a second. He he wasn't just dirty during Bounty Gate with the Saints. In the NFL right now, this season, there have been 51 roughing the passer penalties. The Jets have 16% of them. They have eight roughing the passer penalties, right? Mm -hmm. No other team in the NFL has more than two. They have eight. That is four times the amount of the second most in the NFL amongst all teams. So this is where I'm concerned because I'm not trying to fear hype this. I'm not trying to sit here and say they're going to go out there and try to hurt Mahomes. What I am saying, though, is if I did have a concern, that is the one concern, is that Greg Williams is going to go. Now, him and Andy Reid are friends. I I will say that. I'm not going to sit here and try to make it sound like Greg Williams has already been indicted for something he hasn't done. Mm -hmm. What I will say, though, is there is something about Greg Williams, knowing that he's going to come into a game that's going to be a bloodbath, that maybe he tries to get his guys a little bit of an edge for the rest of the season, because Greg Williams will be the interim coach for this team sometime in the near future, because Adam Gase will get fired this season when they know they're going to get the number one pick. So that is where my only concern is, and that's why I am so much of the belief I want Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, uh, any of the veteran players, Eric Fisher and those guys, I want them out of the game as soon as humanly possible. When they are, when they're up twenty four points, get them out of the game. Th- th- this game does not. I don't care if it's only twenty seven to three, and that's the end of the sc- that's the end of the game. And it wasn't as satisfying where you know the Chiefs put up forty eight points. Would I like to see forty eight points? Yes. But if you score fourteen points against this Jets team, you're going to win the game. Yeah. They're only averaging twelve points a game this season. Yeah. So. Get in, get out. Don't don't let Greg Williams even have the opportunity to be tempted to do something dirty. That's all I'll say. I will say I think a lot of those penalties and the fact that the, they, I know it, it, it reflects him, but at the same time it also reflects losing. I think it's a byproduct. Those penalties, a lot of those penalties are probably a byproduct of that that team, that defensive players, those defensive players constantly being trailing and being you know playing from behind and being frustrated late in games when they're getting dominated, um, and you know typically. Frustrations for defensive players leads to penalties. It just does. It just that's that's those are mutually inclusive. Uh, so I, I'm not trying to like say that he's not a part of that. I definitely yeah. he has obviously the track record of being a part of that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he has the balls to go out there and hurt the face of the league. That would be crossing some significant lines there. But like the fact that him and Andy Reid know each other, they have history, the friends. I just I think this is a game where the, the Jets just kind of lay down and take it. If I'm being honest, I just think that's good. Here's the the thing I want to see from the Chiefs offense, though, with Mahomes in there. Because I'm with you. I don't think he finishes the game. I think that they're going to get him out by the second, third quarter. He shouldn't. Okay? Yeah. I want to see the Chiefs have a quick, efficient offense. I want to see them have two-step drops, get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands quick. Because, not just because of the concern of roughing the passer, but we we do need to be honest here. The offensive line... They look good against the Bills, who have zero pass rush. The Broncos have a decent front seven, 
And they were getting eight alive for a while. Yeah, we didn't convert one third down. Yeah, the Broncos, the Broncos front seven was pushing the Chiefs offensive line around. And Patrick Mahomes was getting popped. Yeah. A lot more than I like getting, you know, being, and, and, for, and let's give the Chiefs offensive line a little credit here. Uh, quarterback pressures, they're one of the lowest in the league. I think they're like bottom five in, yeah. in allowing quarterback pressure. So the offensive line hasn't done terrible, but against good front sevens outside of the Ravens game. And this Jets has a decently good front seven. They were, <laughs> right. they were getting to Josh Allen right. all day last week. One of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think you're going to see some pre-snap movement. I think we're going to see some in-round stuff. That's why I think McColl is going to have a good game. I think he's going to get a lot of touches, yeah. uh, whether it's in the running game or quick dump-offs, and he take you know the yak. I think he's going to have a lot of yards at the catch. I don't want to see seven-step drops. I don't want to see Patrick Mahomes There's with the no ball for three, reason. four seconds in the pocket. No, I don't want to see him out there running around. I don't want to see that because in this type of game, there is no need for that. Just get the ball out of his hands. Make quick work of this team. There's no reason in the world why this game should be within 20 points. Yeah. I'm going to take the over. I don't think this game is going to be close. I know everyone's like, ah, don't touch it. It's 19 and a half, 20 and a half, whatever. I think the Chiefs need to win this game by three, four touchdowns. Yeah. Just just use this game as a get-right game and get out and get ready for the Panthers the next week because the Panthers are actually a decent team. I'm expecting well over 200-plus rushing yards for the Chiefs this game. I just think they're going to run the hell out of the ball once we get a couple scores. They're not going to be able to stop Le'Veon Bell in it. Clyde. It's yeah. just not going to happen. I mean, I'm sorry to our viewers and listeners. Uh, we, we would love to hype this matchup as much <laughs> as we'd like to, but it's just not there, guys. Honestly, but, I mean, as a fan, there's nothing. That plum is run dry. I'll enjoy a layup. I'll enjoy a layup yeah. game all day. I don't give a shit. Yep. I don't. I mean, it's a noon game. It you know, just kick back. A fan yeah. Into a match and be like, oh yeah. Yeah. Then it I does feel good. Those are nice. Hell Those yeah. are nice. Those are absolutely. Going and, to enjoy and, it. Especially back to back games. Right. You know, and and it could be three. I mean, the Panthers are a much better team than the Jets. The Chiefs match. I can't wait to talk about that Panthers game because it might be another yawn fest. Who knows, man? Um, but in the meantime, I mean, if you guys have thoughts on this game, whether you're a podcaster, you're a live streamer, or you're a YouTuber, tell us what you think, man. What do you guys think about this matchup? We got we got two days to talk about it before it happens. So, you guys, let us know what you guys think about this Jets game. Is there any possibility the Jets can make this into a a close game, in, in single digits? You know, give us your theories, man. I'm open to it. Yeah, I, let's, let's, yeah, let's get weird, man. I want to hear it. You know, let's let's make this thing wild. But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break because we do need to hear from you guys whether you guys have theories on that or not because we have a Monday mailbag to attend to. So I cannot wait to hear what Donnie Couch and Donnie Couch and maybe somebody else will have to say. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. We will get back to that after this. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we like to do each and every week is give our viewing and our listening audience the opportunity every Monday to fill out the mailbag with your questions, your topics, your your, uh, concerns, discussions, whatever you got for us on the Spoken Podcast each and every week. We bring it on. We give you guys a platform. You take over the show for this amount of time for this segment, and we have fun every single time. So, Trevor, what is in the Monday Mailbag this week? All right. Monday Mailbag starts with... uh... One of the goats himself, Shaggy Shane Williams. OG, OG. Shout out. Much, Shout out. Much love. Um, <laughs> Shane's got a good one here. Um, he starts with saying, pretty sad when we start craving Blake Bell and all that weed Demetrius Harris. Nick Kaiser's fumbles, dropped passes, and missed blocks are a disaster. Angry face emoji. Uh, and Kaiser's mixed, missed block on a blitzing linebacker against Denver got Patrick nailed for a sack. 
That pissed me the fuck off, by the way. Yeah, that was horrible. Um, and Ricky Seals-Jones looked disinterested in his only game active this season against Buffalo. Uh, are you concerned about the backup tight end as much as... as are you, oh, let me say that again. Are you concerned about the backup tight end as much as me on the Chiefs? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's it's terrifying. That's why how, I wanted to draft one. It, it's not just that they don't have a guy that can complement Travis Kelsey's game at yeah. tight end. They don't have a, a, a competent tight end outside of Travis Kelsey. I, I I was excited as hell when Ricky Seals Jones came to Kansas City. He was inactive for the first yeah. five weeks. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe he's not a good blocker. Maybe he's just not a good player. I mean, I'm starting to really wonder if this guy is even worth it. I mean, yeah. he was inactive for the first month and change. Yeah. Comes in, gets one target, drops it, and it was an easy gimme pass that would have went for a first down, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah. And then he's gone, and then we haven't seen him since. Don't even give me. I, I'm gonna Kaiser say should be cut. If we talk up. Nick Kaiser for any longer he than eight seconds, cut. I'm gonna fucking snap. You want to talk about an Eddie Hour question that should have happened? Yeah. It's the Nick Kaiser question because I don't know how the fuck this dude is still on our fucking roster. I'm Nick Kaiser pisses me off more than I can because you're talking about a guy that every time is even near the ball, disaster happens. I don't know this dude. Maybe he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He fucking sucks at football. He is terrible, and it shows each and every week. I don't know. I know Andy Reid is the coach of second chances. Nick Kaiser's gotten a second chance every fucking week and continues to find a way to screw things up, and he almost cost the Chiefs significantly last week by blowing that goddamn block uh, for Patrick Holmes because he did get popped. He got hit hard on that play. That was absolute bullshit. A lazy-ass play from Kaiser. No effort there. And not to mention the fumble. I mean, dude, I know things happen. But if you watch that play again, the way he wasn't protecting the ball. As a tight end especially. Yes, when you're a backup player and you and your targets are at a minimum already, yeah. you have to make the most of those, which means you have to make sure that ball is secure as a million dollars in a briefcase. And he did not do that. He did the opposite of that and laid the ball on the ground, gave the Broncos life. Because before that play, the Broncos, I mean, the Chiefs beat the shit out of the Broncos regardless, yeah. right? But the Chiefs had the Broncos, yes, because the Broncos immediately get a touchdown right after that. Uh, uh, Drew Locke runs into the end zone, gets his first touchdown in his career against the Chiefs. That's that's not okay, man. Like these are the types of things that can cost you a game against a a, a competent uh, opponent. Let's say they they don't play the Buccaneers in a few weeks. And Nick Kaiser does He's that not shit. Getting a look in any of those games. Yeah, you don't give teams, you don't give good teams that you opportunity. Look. You got to look in that game because it was the Broncos. I, man, uh, well, that's the problem. Those he keeps getting play. Right. Well, that's not going to happen. I, I don't expect him to get any play. So to answer Shane's question as honestly as I can, man, I am fuming right alongside you, my brother, because I don't understand why the Chiefs have been so negligent with the tight end position. I understand they went and got Ricky Seals Jones, yeah. and that, they probably anticipate he was going to be a complimentary piece. He's been anything of that. It's so bad that they have to use whatever the fuck Nick Kaiser is. I don't know what he is, but he's not a football player. Yeah, I do really. I was a fan of Ricky Seals Jones coming because I liked what I saw in college. I liked what I saw when he was in Arizona. He's an athletic guy with the ball in his hands. He 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 just simply is. Um, which I just don't. Which is strange. I just don't know why he's been inactive and he's when he's played he he's been not there. Um, so I don't, I'm confused by that to start. And then Kaiser should be cut. That was a fireable offense. Absolutely a fireable offense. Uh, every time he was on the field, he was making some kind of mistake that was affecting the game negatively. And no, I didn't see one positive from it at, at all. Um, he, he could have gotten Pat Hur on that play. If the game, the game, if we lost that game, it would have been because of that fumble. I just there was way too much on film for us to move forward with him on the roster. It doesn't make much sense. 
What I think the Chiefs should do, I think the Chiefs should go trade for a tight end. I think there's a lot of cheap tight ends out there. The one specifically that I think they should go after is a guy that wants out of his destination, and that's Njoku in Cleveland. I think Njoku in Cleveland, he's been begging them to trade him. He wants out of Cleveland. Um, they have um, uh, their starting tight end as her right now. Uh, I forget what his name is. I'm drawing a blank. But anyways, um, he was with Atlanta last year. Anyways, oh, oh, oh. Um, you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I know exactly. Yeah, I can't think Damn of his it. name for some reason. He's a legitimate, good, legitimately good tight end. Um, but uh, they have they have depth over there. They had, they had another – in Cleveland had another guy go off. I think Murphy is his last name. That they drafted. So – Njoku is a legitimately talented tight end, a really good blocker, big body, strong as hell. Um, was coming off an injury from last year. I think they could definitely go make a move. And they, I don't think Cleveland will take much for him. I think they're looking to get him out of there. I think we need to make a move. I wanted us to draft a tight end because um, we definitely needed somebody else. I know we made the move for Ricky Seals, and I was excited about Austin that. Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper, legitimately good tight end in Cleveland. Uh, was really good in Atlanta last year. Anyways, I think that's a guy that Cleveland is looking to move. Um, I think we could definitely make a move there and, and bring him into Kansas City. I don't know what it would hurt. We would, we, we would get him for pennies. He's coming off an injury, and he hasn't really played at all for Cleveland, but he is legitimately good. Um, just shit. Just get something in somebody else in that can block. Yeah. But, yeah, to answer your question, uh, Shane, it's that was obviously the glaring. Any, any, any Chiefs fan that, was, that wasn't over you know, excited about the blowout win, that was the glaring um, issue there, the, the only real negative thing that you could take away. In that game, and uh, yeah, we need to get another tight end there. Kaiser is Shiza. Let me just put it like that. That was rough, man. Uh, and I'm a big tight end guy, so that was definitely rough to see because that's not some shit that Travis Kelsey would be doing. Um, but we need somebody else to support that position. Um, so hopefully, we make a move. Uh, next question is from Donnie Couch. Shout out, Donnie. I'm pretty sure he's watching. Um, he says, hey, guys, hope you're doing great, and I'm glad I could be asking questions on this non-Tuesday mailbag. We're happy with that. Were, were you happy with uh, with what you saw from Le'Veon Bell this week? Yeah. Um, I, I As we talked with Darren Smith uh, in the second segment of tonight's show, I think it put to bed that he's absolutely still got the juice. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be – 2014 Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if he's going to be 2016 Le'Veon Bell. What I do know is he ain't going to be 2019 Le'Veon Bell. He's going to be something much closer to 2016 and 2014 Le'Veon Bell because of the fact that he's surrounded by so much talent on the offensive side of the ball with with the Chiefs and the fact he's got something to prove. He wants to win a title. He wants to be. He wants to put himself in a place where very few running backs are, are in the in the league right now, which are respected champions. I mean, you look around the league right now. Look at the Chiefs. They just won the title. Damian Williams is the premier back. Not even on the team right now. You know, Derrick Henry and guys like that. They get the respect, but none of them have reached the the you know the epicenter of success right now. So. I think Le'Veon Bell wants to put himself in the Hall of Fame. I think he wants to get rings. And you know what? To add to this question, I know it isn't the question, but do, I, I won't be shocked if Le'Veon Bell is back here in 2021 in Kansas City. I won't be shocked because of the fact that Dude has racked up his numbers it's such a perfect fit. Yeah. If he wants to get money and go to Miami where he lives and it's state, you know, tax-free and all that stuff, in my opinion, sure. if he really wanted to go to Miami, he would have already done that. I think he would, have, he would have chose them over the Chiefs. I think he wants to win, and I think he wants to win more than once. So not to, not to put words in Le'Veon's mouth because of the fact that he could very well be using this for that next contract, get that Super Bowl tax. You know, all respect to him if that's what he does, if he decides to do that. I'm just saying don't be shocked if we see Le'Veon Bell here in Kansas City on a Sammy Watkins-ish 
style contract where he gets that one year deal yeah. that's very team friendly, but he gets a little bit of money on that back end with incentives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only twenty nine years old at that point with still a lot of miles to go, and he's not going to have to be the bell cow because they got Clyde here. I think it. I don't just don't be shocked, guys. If if Le'Veon's a, a chief for a couple years. And what better complimentary piece to this offense than Le'Veon Bell? Like I do. To answer your question, Donnie, from my perspective, I was I've been a, I've loved Le'Veon Bell since he's been in this league. I love his style, I love his his unique patience. I loved his dedication to his craft because when he came into the league, he was an overweight type of running back. He was really heavy. And then he got chiseled out of his freaking mind. He built a Greek god type body. He Lost was, that baby fat. He yeah. And then and then and then that Pittsburgh offense that they would always he would just absolutely just maul us. I hated it, but at the same time I respected his game so much with the way he seven hundred and fifty two yards against the Chiefs yeah. in his career. He's, he, he, Five he was, games when he was in that offense. He was a legitimate thousand thousand threat, thousand yards receiving, thousand yard rushing. The guy is an absolute weapon and still looks great. What fifteen yard scamper on that first rush. I mean, he looked smooth. He looked great. And he saw his classic one arm on the lineman in front of him picking his hole and then goes. I love his running style. I love his aggression. I love his patience, his skill set. He, he doesn't waste a step. He knows he times his, his jump cuts perfectly. He just knows how to keep moving forward and fall forward when he takes hits. I, I love him. I honestly think he's the best back on this team since we've signed him. I love Clyde. Clyde's going to progress and get better these next couple seasons, but I think right now... Imagine saying that, like, because I, I don't know if I, I disagree. No, I, I'm just saying, I don't know if I disagree with you because that actually is probably the truth. Le'Veon's yeah. probably the better running back on this team as it stands, yeah. and Clyde, I think, is third in the league in rushing. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and the, the, the way he came about coming here, too, I love the most because we everyone wanted to you know claim that Lev is a super egotistic running back. Oh, that's a at, bunch of bullshit. That doesn't matter. A lot yeah. of people claim, which he he's great. He's been great. He's a great player, potential Hall of Fame player. And he called Clyde, the rookie running back, to ask if he was stepping on his toes to come here. And in yep. all knowing, he probably knows that he's the better back at this moment. And I challenge anybody. I challenge anybody to go and find any comments or right. statements or quotes of a teammate that well, said anything negative about Le'Veon it's Bell. It's really the fact that he held out. Yeah, that's that's it. It was all man-made narratives, man. Excuse him for wanting to get paid, and I defended him the entire time of him doing that. Excuse him for wanting to get paid the if, you know for the work that he's put in and being tagged what three times in Pittsburgh? Well, twice. twice. Yeah, he got yeah. tagged twice in Pittsburgh. I mean, the dude he wanted he wanted security. He got it. <laughs> he got cut. Now he's in the best position he's probably ever been in in his career. So kudos to yep, him. He won out. Here. I'm a love fan, so yeah, I'm stoked on the life that we have him, man. Um, Next question, Donnie Couch. Should the Chiefs go offensive line this draft uh, and defense, or is there another position they can go? Uh, if they weren't, uh, first of all, let me answer yes. I want the Chiefs to get offensive line help big time uh, in the draft. <laughs> if they're going to go any other position outside of interior, I definitely want them to go uh, linebacker and tight end. Yeah. Uh, they, they, I know Bill Gay, his Bill, Willie Gay looked incredible He's against the Broncos, week, but even if he becomes the next Derek Johnson. They still need help around him, so I would love to see them still, you know, add some pieces at the linebacker position. Maybe they'll go, you know, free agency in that. Uh, but offensive line has to be shored up. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about this current structure of the offensive line. We've seen a really good game and a really bad game um, from both from this offensive line as currently constructed. So I don't really know how to feel. Patrick Mahomes is a half a billion dollar investment. 
along with the best player in the world. You need to protect him at all costs. I would love to see the Chiefs invest thoroughly on their offensive line. Eric Fisher, I, I think he's done a, a good job, not a great job in Kansas City. I would prefer that they move on from him in 2021. We don't know how long Mitchell Schwartz's back's going to hold up. Right. He's 30 now, not old, but not young. Um, are they going to keep him after 2021? I mean, the Chiefs got a lot of questions to answer on the offensive line that they may not feel that all that comfortable with right now. Um, so, yeah, I would really like to see them get younger on the offensive line and, and, and get more stout on the offensive line. I would not hate it if the Chiefs built their offensive line like the Raiders have, yeah. where they get these big old freaking monsters, walls with feet, in front of Patrick Mahomes where he just feels safe back there all day, all day long where he can write his taxes back there, maybe take a fucking you know uh, nap back there now that he's got a kid on the way. He's going to need to take those power naps, get him a nice, nice, nice offensive line and get himself a little nap at work. Who cares, you know? So that, I would definitely say offensive line, but if they're going to go specialty, tight end because Travis Kelsey's 31 now anyway. I mean, you're not he's not going to be around forever. You need to get yourself another tight end to complement what Travis Kelsey's still doing and giving Patrick Mahomes another weapon. I mean, that hurts to add more weapons to Patrick Mahomes' repertoire. Patrick, right. Pat, and the plethora's. Come on, man, give him more. Give him more. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we have our our, our weapons kind of, and all, all of our young weapons outside of Kelsey being the oldest, uh, at thirty one, which is not old. I mean, tight ends can play, you know, long into their years, especially if they become more of a possession type player. Uh, but Kelsey's a hell of a blocker as well, so I, I'm not worried about him. But we do need to build depth, uh, whether via trade or in the in the. In the um, the draft for a tight end, absolutely, that's a must. I think it's. I think we need to make a move this midseason sometime uh, before the trade deadline. I think we need to make a move at tight end and add some depth or somebody that can fill in that because Kaiser was just unacceptable. But offensive line for sure in the draft, I wouldn't be upset if we took him with our first pick. We have a first pick um, or the first round if we have a whichever pick, uh, our earliest pick. I don't. I wouldn't mind if we went to you know a guard or a left tackle. I'm going to be all for that. I think we need to really focus on that because we have young weapons that are here to stay for a while. And we can't forget that the Chiefs did take Lucas Niang. Lucas Niang will be back next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we lost him. That sucks. But, yeah, we do have – and we have guys I think that can stick around, you know, guys like Austin Ryder and and, 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 Allegretti, I think, that are solid pieces. Uh, But we do need to – I would like to see us – if we had an an elite, big-bodied, monstrous offensive line for Pat to work with, because we still haven't seen that yet. Right. Pat's had all this success with a makeshift offensive line. I mean, I mean, Fisher's been a decently good uh, left tackle. Not great, though. He's had great moments. Um, but if we have, like you said, if we built like a legitimate, monstrous offensive line for Pat to work, I can, I can only imagine what Pat could do with time. Um, so, yeah, definitely offensive line. Defensive line, I'm always for adding mean guys to the defensive line. But a lot of those guys do fall in the draft. You can always find defensive linemen throughout the draft. Um, but another skill player for sure. But tight end, offensive line, for me, without a doubt, are the screaming needs on this team. Yeah. Um, with the Chiefs have oh, this is Donnie Couch as well. With the Chiefs having uh, a thin group at defense, defensive end, do they think they trade for someone at the deadline? You know, I was I was entertaining that. Um, I, I don't think I, I would love to see them do that. I don't really know who's out there right now. Quinnen Williams, I, I think, uh, I think would they be. Might want to yeah, that's the problem. He's young. He's 23, yeah. 24 years He's old. Legit. He's very good, yeah. yeah. And, and you're not going to get anybody in the second or third round that's better than Quentin Williams, to be honest. Right. So that would be the only guy right now that I would give up anything for that's left. Uh, Carlos Dunlap just went to, I think, I believe the Seahawks, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, now, Carlos Dunlap hasn't been great in the last couple seasons, but he's still really good. He's 
I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not even going to lie. I don't even know who's still available right now for trades because for all we know, there's guys that we don't even know are available yeah, that are available. Ngakwe already got moved. Yeah, like what I'm saying, like there, there are teams right now that might be fire selling before we know it. We don't even know it right now, and they're probably on the phone saying, hey. Shit, the Cowboys, if Alden Smith wants to come over and play, bro, I would gladly take You know, that. or, or uh, Demarcus Lawrence might be available, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, you know, there's, I, I, we're hearing rumblings about that. I mean, I don't think the Chiefs are getting Demarcus Lawrence. I'm just saying. Yeah. Right. My point, though, is, is I think that there could be a guy that comes around in the next week yeah. that we don't see. That, that we There's no chance this team's trading that guy. And all of a sudden, hey, the Chiefs are uh, inquiring of Bobby Wagner, you know, yeah. some crazy yeah, shit just, like that. Got some good defensive you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, you know, Fletcher Cox, you know, the Chiefs are talking about him. I would love, I know this is, this probably isn't going to happen, but I would love to see Dontari Poe come home. I don't yeah. think he's. I don't think he's gonna be a great player by any means because he's not anymore. And he's way overweight. Yeah, that experience. That yeah, experience. yeah, exactly. He fits the scheme. He so throw another touchdown. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I. I don't ever. Veach is like one of the most, if not the most aggressive GM in the league right now. I mean, I, if anybody's gonna make a move, it would be Veach. Yeah. I just don't like. I said I don't know names that are really on the block yet. We might have to wait another week or two. See if these teams, these losing teams, know that their seasons is done. Like I said, the Cowboys. The Cowboys. As shitty as their defense has been, they have a lot of talent on that defense. Yeah. Especially on that defensive line. There's a lot of legitimate, like I said, Alden Smith. If we can get Alden Smith at a discount, throw him into our, our linebacker core, man, throw him in the mix, I would, I would love that. That would be the guy I'd want to go nab because I, think he's, I still think he's very motivated to make a name for himself. He's still semi-young. Yeah. He would fit right in, I think, in the scheme. I think Spags would love to have a guy. But, um, yeah, I don't count Veach out for anything. <laughs> like Darren Smith was talking Julio Jones. Don't think yeah. that's going to happen? They're definitely not sitting pat. I would straight shit my pants if we made Pun intended. They're not standing pat. They're going right. to absolutely get a trade in. I don't know where or how or who, but right. it's gonna. It, there's going to be a trade. The Chiefs are going to yeah, add hopefully depth. Hopefully it's a linebacker or another defensive yeah. player. I don't. I don't think. I think we're going on the offensive end at this point. With, with the, with the well, I think offensive line, they can maybe no, 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 potentially answer yeah, yeah, that. Definitely yeah. offensive line. Maybe tied in, like I said, Njoku, I think would be a great If Darren team. Smith's right and we land Julio, the Chiefs land Julio <laughs> Jones, I mean, Jesus Christ, just cancel the season. Yeah, that would be, ins- <laughs> that would be I insane. I don't think that's going to happen by any means, but no. that would be insane. Yeah, that would, I mean, <laughs> who knows, though, man. Like I said, Veach is a straight mob boss out there, you know, talking behind the scenes with people, so getting stuff done. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anything by him. Uh, next question is Donnie Couch as well. He, say, he starts with the next question because he knows he's got – He's already been the one on the ramble here. Um, <laughs> so you guys got my Travis Kelsey fullback question mixed up last week, and that was my bad. I worded it wrong. Uh, what I was trying to ask is, should Travis Kelsey line up in the backfield more as an H-back like we saw in the Buffalo game? Uh, it really comes down to the matchup, and it comes down to what the Chiefs' approach is going to be. I mean, am I opposed to it? No. I think that if you're going to line Kelsey up in the backfield, it's probably going to be in goal line situations where you have the shovel opportunity or an extra blocking for a, a tricky play. That yeah, yeah. Honestly, I prefer Travis in the slot or down deep or on the wide side. I think that having him in space is the key. You don't want him to have five yards to make up on a snap. I, I would rather him be out in open space yeah. and to do that. So would I be opposed to it? No, because I trust that Andy Reid's going to write up something clever if he is to be back there. He has when he's been back there. But it's going to be only situationally. It ain't going to be on a second and four on the 48-yard line. I don't think that's what you're going to see. Yeah, should he? No. Because when you say should he, that's implying that he needs to be or that we're better off when he is. No, he shouldn't be. I think it's, like you said, it's something that we'll see here and there to kind of, kind of confuse the defense. But if I want Travis Kelsey anywhere, it's out wide. Or if we're going to run a run play, have him you know, on the end, the end of the offensive line helping block. 
that's where he needs to be 99.9% of the time. Yeah. You always want Travis Kelsey. You always want the defense looking at Travis Kelsey as a receiving threat because that that opens up the offense. When you have a receiving threat of a tight end that is Travis Kelsey, that scares the defense because right. either a DB or a linebacker is going to have to line up with him, and you're going to have to pick and choose how they how they you know attack Travis Kelsey. So blocking Travis Kelsey takes the threat of him as a receiving threat out of the picture, and I always want him as a receiving threat. Right. Um, so next question, Donnie Couch, is Khabib the greatest fighter of all time? Yes. Um, I, I, I've always been somebody who's leaned more on the side of John Bones Jones. I think that John Bones Jones, when he does actually fight, is the greatest of all time. He's never had a loss outside of a disqualification. Yeah. Uh, he's ran through Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer uh, in the light heavyweight division. And I believe that John Bones Jones could go up to the heavyweight division and own it just like he did the light heavy. The problem, though, is that Khabib, while, while John Bones Jones is having his drug issues and uh, other legal issues and staying off the mat and not being in, isn't consistently involved in the UFC, Khabib has gone on to beat some of the greatest fighters in UFC history in succession. So, uh, and other, uh, here's the other fact. Khabib has lost one round in his entire career. He's 29-0 and 0 and has lost one round in his entire career. I, I think Khabib is done. I think he's going to retire. He's only, what, 30, 31 years old. Regardless, what he's done in his short amount of time in the UFC is unprecedented. He has absolutely dominated in a way we have never seen in the history of MMA. We've never seen somebody dominate their sport like Khabib has. Well, when it comes to mixed martial arts, we've never seen anybody dominate that sport like that. Khabib is one of a kind. As it currently stands, he is the greatest to ever do it. I'm not going to say he's the greatest to ever do it. I think he's a great. I think he's one of the GOATs. I think he's right up there with the GSPs. And Calm down. With, with the Spider Silva. Regardless of what you think about GSPs. Calm down. The, anybody who knows the sport knows GSP is one of the GOATs. He's up there with the GSPs. He's up there with the Spider Silvas. But John, John Jones is the most dominant we've ever seen. You can, you can talk to me about Brock Lesnar and the short stint that he had as far as dominance. That's fine. John Jones, to me, I think will still go down as the greatest because he's still, he's still fighting. He's had his, 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 his hiccups. Um, but John Jones, at, at the weight he's at, the skill set that he has at the weight that he's at, the, the way he's dominated the, the, one of the toughest weights to fight at, with the heavy hitters he's, he's fought and beat and conquered and destroyed, He's got to go and do it, though. I, no, no, no. And, but I, and I do expect John to fight for the next few years and still rack up more. So I think once – I'm just kind of going by the future of what I think John Jones is going to continue to do. I think John Jones is going to come back and compete. I think he's going to come back and fight. Um, I personally think John Jones is going to be the GOAT once he's done, if he continues to fight at the pace he's at. I'm not going to sit here and act like Khabib isn't. Could, should it be considered the greatest? I mean, his resume speaks for itself. Losing one round um, and has literally dominated everyone that he's ever fought. Like, really not even many close fights, even with the likes of Conor McGregor's and you know other greats that we've seen him he absolutely de- just destroy. I'm not going to sit there and act like it's crazy to think that. Obviously, he's up there. I'm going to say he's one of the GOATs. I'm not going to say he's the GOAT. Um... Donnie Couch, next question. Should the Chiefs play Byron Pringle more at kick returner? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think if, if I'm if I'm going to be honest now, it's a what have you done for me lately type of situation, especially in special teams. Mm-hmm. Byron Pringle has absolutely won that job. Uh, McCole Hardman 
I mean, look, he, he was the reason why the Chiefs, I believe, got back into that Texans game against them in the divisional round. I'll give him that. Him and Dan Sorensen gave the Chiefs that life. Um, McCall Urban's been terrible in special teams this year. He's, he's, been, he's been not good at all. Yeah. He's been way too hesitant. Uh, McCall, if you go and watch that Byron Pringle return, he got upfield so fast and made one quick move and just jolted down the field. I think he got touched once. An angle on his yes, yeah. he did not hesitate. That is what you need from kick returners. Whenever you get an opportunity to get one back, you go and you run as fast as you can upfield. You don't try to look. Dante Hall was so unique because of those things because he could stop right. and then turn on a dime and then pivot around and do his thing. There's a reason why guys like Dante Hall come around once every 50 years. Yeah. But look at the greatest kick returner of all time, Devin Hester. Devin Hester. He didn't stop. Nope. He ran. He ran right at the 11 men and took one turn, took one little pivot, and was gone. Knew where his blockers were gonna that is why he had, blockers. what do you have, 19, 20 returns in his career? Yeah. There's a reason for that, because he was aggressive. Byron Pringle's aggressive, and that's why he should keep that job as the kick returner for the foreseeable future. Well, not only that, I'll add to that. Byron Pringle, is not, he's, he's a guy that's trying to find his, his place on this team. Yeah. And if his place on this team is to be a special teamer that can, get, that can flip a field for us at any moment, please be that guy. Please be that because guy. Because McColl has not been that guy. McColl overthinks it. I think McColl's a smart kid, but I still think McColl has self assurance issues still. I think he tries to do too much at times. It's similar to what we saw with Travis Kelsey early in his career. Travis Kelsey was still trying to find his his his, his place. He had character issues, which McColl doesn't have, but they're similar to that. Well, and they, to your point about McColl, yeah. this could be a blessing in disguise for him because the fact you're saying is that now he gets to focus on his just his offense. Right. Get out there, be effective on the offensive side, don't worry about this kick return bullshit. Right. Just get out there yeah. and get right on your route tree. Yeah, because we've all seen what McColl can do in the receiving game, man. Yeah. One, you can just get the ball in his hands and, and he's gone. Get know? him in open field. Right. And he's which, gone. Which pisses you off at the same time because you wish he would just do that in the kickoff returns. Just pick a spot and just go, man. But maybe it's just not for him. Maybe Some not. guys are just he, not built for he's it. He's incredible at it in college. That's the thing. That's that like, is confusing. I, yeah. But, but so is Byron Pringle. True. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> K State. He was in. I believe it was K State that Byron Pringle played for. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was I, absolute I, I stud. Loved, I love what I saw from Byron. He looked very confident, even in the receiving moments he has. And we all know that he can. He's a very good route runner, and, and I think um, I think Reed and Pat both trust him mm-hmm. on kicking and receiving him. So yeah, I like it. I think they should stick to that permanently until you know something obviously changes that, uh, whether it be injury or you know he makes a mistake and we revert back. But yeah, I think at this moment. That was a big-time play, and we haven't seen that from McColl. We haven't seen that kind of aggression and, and ability just to go. So I think we should stick with that move. Um, my last question is Donnie Catch once more. My last question, according to U.S. Bet Online, the Chiefs are 21.5-point favorites against the New, New York Jets. Uh, should that be a bigger line? Should it be no? Like I mean, time. yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, damn, they only gave us 21 Should and a half 30. points. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's moved down a little bit just because it was naturally going to. Uh, when when money starts to come in, uh, Vegas is going to move it down towards the Jets just naturally just to make things more interesting for future betters. No, I, I think it's right where it should be. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by three touchdowns, four touchdowns. Um, if I if you were to ask me, would you take the over? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that the Chiefs cover. I think they're they're going to win this game by more than 20 points, um, and I think that the line's right where it's at. You want to you want to make the bet 
even as, as insurmountable of a game this is going to be, you, as Vegas, you want to make this game as interesting as possible so people will actually bet on it. Right. But as it currently stands, I think you have to put in, what, 1200 bucks just to make $1 if you're betting on the Chiefs. So yeah. <laughs> this is the game you don't want to touch. Go 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 bet on the Ravens-Steelers. That's a one-point game. They got the Ravens as a one-point favorite. Yeah. Put your money into that type of game if you want to make some money. Yeah, I mean, the, the line's already embarrassing enough for the Jets. What more do you want, you know? Yeah, Vegas can't, can't really help them out much more. Right. So, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I think it's good where it's at. It's already embarrassing enough. Uh, last question. Billy Hodge, uh, he says, what is your response when people say that the league has figured out how to stop Mahomes? I think we touched on this last week, but yeah. Um, look, man, it's obviously wrong. Uh, you're not figuring out Mahomes. Can you can you learn and adapt to his tendencies? Yes, that's what the game's all about. I mean, in all sports, you know, you talk about the great pitchers. Uh, we talked about Clayton Kershaw earlier. They got a book on him. They know that you know he's got the fastball, curveball, changeup. They know that he's got these things and where he likes to put the ball. They know that Patrick Mahomes likes to throw the ball downfield. They know he likes to get out of the pocket, roll out to the right, and throw the ball 58 yards downfield in a perfect spot for Tyreek Hill against the Chargers. They know those things. It's not a mystery. So in, in essence, yeah, I guess you could say you figured him out, but in the context of what people are saying as far as, oh, the league now has the control over Patrick Mahomes, that that's... That's absurd because what we're seeing this season, yes, his statistics aren't going to be 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards more than likely. But there's a good reason why that's happening because if you look back in 2018, the Chiefs had to score like that in order to win games. The Chiefs don't have to score like that in order to win games over the last two seasons. That's why they just won the Super Bowl, and that's why they're going to win it again this year because of the fact that it's not all on your quarterback. If you look at every – what is it, the last – Six quarterback MVPs have not won the Super Bowl. The last, I think it's six or seven. There's a reason for that. Right. Russell Wilson's going to probably win MVP this year. He's going to probably have 45, 46 touchdowns this year. And if it ain't him, it's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. And neither one of them are going to win the Super Bowl this year because they score that way because they have to. Yeah. You have to score that way. Look at Tom Brady in 2007. Scored 50 touchdowns. Why? It's not necessarily because the defense had to, but because of the fact that their offense had to make up a lot of times for what they were doing defensively because their defense was slow back then. They were playing easy teams, and they blew out a lot of teams. But when it came against good competition, if you go look back at that 2007 team against good teams, they struggled. Yeah. And then you see them against the Giants in the Super Bowl put up 14 points. So there's, there's no coincidence to that. Has, has the league figured out Patrick Mahomes? No. But have they understood and learned his greatness? Yes. That's, I guess if you want to call that uh, uh, figuring him out, go ahead. But when he wins his second Super Bowl MVP this year, come back to this conversation. Well, we can talk about the league figuring him out. I mean, but we also got to count on the fact, or add in, add in the fact that he's still figuring other teams out. He's still figuring defenses out. Hello. He even said that at the beginning of this past year after he just won the Super Bowl against maybe the best defense in the league last year. Oh, there's no question that was the, that was the least most talented defense. So yeah. He literally beat the best defense. The most talented the team. Yeah, most talented defense by far, especially defensive line. Oh, my God. Um, he beat them in the Super Bowl. I mean, and, and with a slow start. And he overcame that and beat them. You don't think the Niners knew what was coming? I want to say, dude, is, is watch the rest of the schedule as the Chiefs go on. The dude's going to put up numbers. Does he have to put up numbers? 
that are similar to 2017, and you know, no, he doesn't have to. We, he doesn't have to. He's they're not depending on him that much. We just saw these past two games, us win without him having to be great, right, or even good. He hasn't even had to be, and that's fine. And he, I'm sure he appreciates that. You don't think Pat wants to go out there and get his numbers? You don't think Pat enjoys flaunting it? He absolutely does. Mm-hmm. And he, we're going to see that the second half of the year. We're going to see him get his against the rest of this as, his, as, as this schedule softens up a little bit. I fully expect us to see uh, the patch that we know and love and these outlier games with our defensive wins and running game wins. Those are fun, but we'll, 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 have, some, we'll have some sprinkled in patch of our home blowout games. <laughs> I think we're going to see one in the first half of this next yep. game. I think Pat's going to go up there, out there and throw for at least three, three touchdowns and probably a good 250, 350 yards and a call it a day. Um, that's, I'm talking at half. That might be halftime. So... All right, well, the, the league is not figured out, Patrick. We, we, yes, I mean, thank you. Uh, great questions tonight, guys. We really do appreciate that on the Monday mailbag. Every single Monday, man, hit us up on Facebook at the Spoken Group. You guys can get in there, and uh, every Monday we post it. You guys put whatever the hell you want to put on there. Ask Donnie, ask Shane, ask the ask Billy Hodge and the guys. That they 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 chime in every single week. It seems so. We thank you guys for your participation. We're gonna take a quick break because I believe we have one more order of business. Trevor, what's it called? Hold this L. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man. You are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L. What we do each and every week is we hand out some friendly, maybe not so friendly L's in the world of sports. Regardless, we promise you whoever is holding the L is absolutely deserving of it. Trevor, who is holding the L for you this week, my man? I'm an avid fantasy player myself. I've had some good winnings. Some I've had some major L's myself. But maybe I might have seen the biggest L in fantasy, daily fantasy. Anybody anybody out there that, that plays DraftKings, FanDuel, and you, you know how this game goes. Um, there's big contests, there's little contests, but this guy played the biggest contest. Um, I feel so bad for this guy, but I have to give this L. It's rough. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I'll get right to it. There was the for the million ma- million maker, a one million dollar prize in this contest. This guy was sitting. Pretty much what happens is the guy won the contest, right? I'm just gonna read it here. It says a stat correction that changed a sack. This was in the uh, the Rams Bears game, I believe. Yeah, the recent Rams Bears game. Um, a stat correction that changed a sack to a tackle for loss in the Bears Ram game. Monday dropped the winnings from one million top prize to three thousand for a daily fantasy player in St. Louis. The main reason I want to say because this guy is a, a, a stone throw away from us. This guy's insane. He might be a friend of the show. <laughs> he went from winning one million dollars in the first place, dropping all like like two thousand some spots to winning three mm. k. Mm. He I mean, already he, hey three k is nice, but millions better. Mind you, mind you, make it worse. The game was over. He had it sitting there. He was locked into one spot. Oh. Later, they did a stat correction. 
uh, taking the sack. So he lost the points because he played the the the, the Rams defense. Uh, the Rams supposedly got a sack on Foles. Ended up being just a tackle for a loss. Uh, so just that one simple one point stat. Oh Minnesota man, stat took it from my stomach hurts just for that guy. I can just imagine because I've had some where I'm like, oh, I'm winning a thousand dollars, man. A million dollars changes your like life. 50. Yeah, a million dollars changes absolutely. your life. Absolutely, that's yeah. You could just chill. That's retirement uh, money right there. So even after taxes, he's getting like nine hundred and some thousand. Well, it depends on what state he's in, but yeah, you're right. I mean, God. Yes, yeah, don't throw away, man. Oh. It's St. Louis, Missouri. So he went from a, he went from a million. And he's getting an L tonight, Jesus! I have to. Merciless. I, it, it hits home for me because I, I know I play every I week. Hope Trevor doesn't get a situation like that. Shit, I'll take three K. I'm, I'm not gonna be mad with this guy. <laughs> yeah, but I know your ass. If I'm sitting yeah. here, we're sitting in the living room, and you got a million dollars waiting on you, yeah, and you, you get you, catch me in the you got you drop nine hundred ninety nine K or nine hundred ninety seven K. Yeah, I take a toaster in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray Groundhog yeah, Day style, bitch. Yeah, so from a million, oh. from a million, all the way down to three thousand, just because of a stat correction. There's no worse way to lose in fantasy, man. Oh. So. My guy, I don't even have his name. I don't want to mention his name. No. Keep uh, him off the books. Yeah, so my guy, I'm sorry, man. The fantasy is a rough, it's a rough world out there. But it can be very beneficial and very fun to play. But that's like the ultimate loss, man. I still got 3K. You can go buy Here's you know, another some one. really nice dinner for you and your friends. And maybe some, you're going to need a lot of drinks. Yeah. So that can cost, that can cover a lot of drinks for you. Open tap. <sighs> um, so yeah, my guy, you're going to have to do me a big favor, man. Hold, Hold this L. L. All right, since Eddie, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo is gone, I got two. Uh, I'm going to save mine for the very last because this one's going to be very special. <laughs> but but this one's actually going to be a little painful for me. Uh, this one is dedicated to Eddie. Um, <laughs> I, I love I love the, the legends of sports, man. There's been some great athletes throughout time. You, you know, you, you're talking about you know uh, Jim Thorpe and you're talking about you know Michael Jordan, LeBron James. You know, Patrick Mahomes, all these guys are all-time the great athletes. They're super durable. They stay healthy. They withstand it all, right? Bo Jackson is absolutely one of those guys when it comes to all-time great athleticism. You know, when it comes to just freak athleticism, to be able to be so incredible at two pro sports, or at least look incredible in two pro sports. However, Bo Jackson did something that a lot of older generation sports figures are doing now where they they take these hot takes of if i played in today's world i would do this and i would kill and i would you know i would drop 60 points a game i would well bo jackson decided to put it upon himself this week and say if i played in today's nfl i'd average at least 350 yards a game bo look man you're a legend and and you are a freak athlete there's no taking that away and i've said many times in my life that you may have been the greatest athlete to ever live but my guy you were insanely overrated as a football player and why i can say that is because of the fact that in the era you played in not only was it far less talented than it is today in the nfl far less because back in your day 30 years ago guys weren't playing the, the top athletes in america were not playing football like they are now they had a lot of boxers. You had a lot of baseball players. American talent was in other sports at that time. The NFL quality was not at that level back in the 80s and early 90s. It just wasn't. So you weren't facing the top-tier talent. And if we're going to be honest here, when it comes to your averages, you're talking about 350 yards a game. Bo, in the seasons you played, you averaged 73 yards a game. And you had a total of 16 touchdowns in five years. I'm sorry. You, you, there's no chance in hell you come even close to that, man. It's, and, and to be honest with you, 
That's a that's absolute disrespect to the your your younger peers to sit here and basically shit on their generation and say that you would just run through them. You might have in Tech Mobile. That's a video game, not in real life. So do me a favor, Mr. Bo Jackson, who I love dearly and respect dearly. You, you gotta do me a favor though, man, and uh, hold this L. Now my L. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even gonna tell you guys yet. I'm just gonna let Mrs. Gat run it. So Gat, if you'd be so kind, run that beautiful bean footage. Seven about to get cheap like some backwards. You call yourself a friend that can mash shook. Talking like we gon' get smacked. Fall back, look. Got nothing nice to say, so I won't talk about they D. We talking points aloud, then my D is top three. Brad Chubb showing everyone it's not sweet. Try to double Bradley, who's gon' stop Reed. Started two and three, but we finally getting healthy. Big O and North Fit, y'all just got Kelsey. Ring boy, make that boy bell ring. They ain't getting saved by the bell when that bell ding. Upset, 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 the mad fanatic out of Denver, Colorado, a dedicated Broncos fan, all respect to him, took the time to make a diss track against the Kansas City Chiefs That's the, level we're on. the week before leading into that Chiefs game with the Broncos coming into Denver. And his team got beat by 27. And, and here's the thing. You can sit here and go, well, of course the Chiefs are the better team. If you listen to my man's lyrics, he's sitting here down playing. All we got's Kelsey. Yeah, you know, and our, our defense, uh, we played the Bills. We didn't look that good. Winning by nine in Buffalo. You know? That's true. I, I think, guys, Mad Fanatic is upset, 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 <laughs> upset, upset, upset. Upset, upset. You know what? My guy, Big Fanatic, we had a little uh, exchange on Twitter. Hope you see this, my guy, because I have an alphabetical letter for you, my dude, and it is called an L, so my dude, do me a favor and hold this L. God! And you get a, you get a, you get the Chiefs one more time this year, and it's going to be in our house. And you are going to be upset, upset, upset. Upset! I wish I had his hair though. That's pretty badass. But nevertheless, he kind of looks like Manny Ramirez. If you go watch the video again, he kind of looks like Manny Ramirez, my favorite baseball player of all time. I might give him a pass. I might have to revoke the L. We need Mad Marlon to make a track. Oh hell yeah! You don't mess, don't fuck with Mad Marlon. That's OG KC style, man. I'm telling you, you don't want you don't want that smoke, dude. You don't want that. Maybe we'll have like a little uh, you know zoom off between you know Matt Mad Marlon and uh, Mr. Mad Fanatic, the Mads going at each other. That'd be badass. Battle the Mads. <sighs> Episode eighty-eight was fun, guys. What do you guys think? It was like a good a time. Our show, yeah. Our guy, yeah, no. <laughs> our guy, well, we our segments just get lost with Darren, man. I'm telling you, he'll he'll just come on and we'll be on here for forty-five well, minutes. It's worse, guys, it's worse when it's me and you because we will ramble. Yeah, that is true. That's a good yeah. point. But everybody that hung tough with us, man. We hey, thank you guys, live streamers. I saw, I can, I could see that the the chats were pretty live tonight. It's good to be back on the live stream. Thanks to Gat for making this all possible. Yep. Uh, we have some potentially really good news coming up. I'm not going to break that yet, but stay tuned, guys, because we can have some uh, some potential 
uh, situations going on for our show as we progress and move this thing forward. It's been nothing but nothing short of awesome. It's been fun. You guys make it fun. Uh, chiming in on the Monday mailbag, uh, chiming in on the live streams, you know, asking questions, making this thing a, a part of your guys' life. Because this is our life, man. This is what we love doing. And when you guys are a part of it, it makes it feel like we have a legitimate family here. And we don't say that lightly because in this world, man, it's you got to find the people that you connect to, man. And we connect with you guys, and we appreciate you guys for connecting with us. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a break, if you will, uh, a six day and uh, change six. Uh, was that six days and twenty three hour break, or whatever you want to call it? How uh, uh, what's uh, what's name Tony Rally says on uh, around the horn. But nevertheless, we're going to give you guys a break. We can't wait to get back and talk with you guys next week. Uh, talk about the potential Panthers matchup for Eddie Ortiz, for Trevor Twidwell, for Gat, for Mr. Darren Smith from the ship of 810 WHB Kansas City Sports Radio. I am Lance Twidwell letting you guys know that episode 88 is done. It's finished. We cannot wait to get to 80, episode 89. We out of this bitch. Have a great night. We all know that the only way to top the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew is with velvety new sweet cold foam from Dunkin'. But how do you top that? With an exclusive offer for DD Perks members. Get a medium chocolate stout cold brew with sweet cold foam, cold brew with sweet cold foam, or cold brew for $3. It's the perfect deal to top off the perfect top to the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew. Doesn't that sound great? Not a DD Perks member? Join today via the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.